Alright guys, welcome back to another podcast on Emmy on Hitch. Today I'm joined again by my co-host Oscar, and we've got a long episode to talk about as we just discovered. Yeah, we're looking at the lineup for this week, and it's pretty stacked. Not only does Bellator have two events in Hawaii, but the UFC has an 11 fight card already, and PFL's coming out. There's so much going on in the combat sports world, and we're not even talking about Fury versus White this Saturday. It's wild. The lineup I know. Uh, that fight fans uh, are looking forward to this this weekend. But I say we wrap up what happened last week in combat sports. First, we'll talk about UFC Vegas 51. The main event was Vicente Luque, and he lost to Bilal Muhammad by unanimous decision. This was not the most exciting fight, which is a rare case for Vicente Luque fights. But Bilal Muhammad fought a masterful game plan. He used the takedown threat the entire fight to make Luke a shell up. And not only that, he was using his lateral movement, so he wasn't as hittable as Luke's opponents have been previously. So Bilal Muhammad did exactly what he needed to do to uh, to win against a guy like Luke because the first time around, he got knocked out in like two minutes. So he had to be respectful of Luke's power, and he was. He was not going into the pocket willing to throw. He did what he needed to do, and a lot of people are criticizing him for it, and I, I just don't I don't know why you would do that because if he didn't fight that way, you're probably talking about Luke flatlining him again. In that third round, Luke was able to crack him, but just kind of felt like Luke wasn't exactly himself that night, and I feel like Bilal's takedown threat was probably the reasoning for it. Uh, Luke just... Uh, Usually he's able to knock his opponents down at least, do some serious damage, but Bilal has just improved by leaps and bounds. If this was the Bilal that debuted in the UFC against Alan Joe Ben, he would be getting wrecked in this fight. And he did get wrecked when they fought the first time, but this is a new Bilal, a Bilal that's on an eight-fight win streak, a guy who's now in the top five, I think Bilal, is now amongst the elites, which I didn't think I'd be saying that a year ago. And Bilal Muhammad is a guy that trains... 30 minutes from my house. I, I am a Bilal fan, but I never really believed in his skill set to this extent. But it appears that he's now earned his spot there. And he did it all while observing Ramadan fasting. Yeah, you got to give him credit for that, as you said there, by Ramadan fasting. And, and he's cutting weight. He's preparing for a fight. I mean, he, he, he deserves massive credit. And, and the performance as well, as you talked about, as you as you were saying, it's not the most exciting fight. I think Bilal Muhammad did what he needed to do to win the fight. Most importantly, he got his hand raised. And he's top five ranked in the world now. And I think that sets him up for a big fight next. If you look at the fighters that are in front, in front of him, you have Hamza Chimaev, Colby Covenant, Gilbert Burns, and Kamara Usman. I can't think of the other one off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it's a big fight next to him. I, I, that's all I can see next for him now. Uh, but for Vicente Luque, this is probably one of the rare occasions that we see him in a dull, uh, not action-packed fight. But it, it was primarily because Abba Muhammad executed his game plan to perfection. Yeah, I really think that was the case. And not only that, when it was on the feet, he was doing well for himself too. There was rounds that, uh, that took place in the striking for uh, a fair amount of time. And Bilal was winning those exchanges because Luke was expecting him to shoot at any second. Uh, I, I really have to give all the props to Bilal Muhammad here. Uh, as for what's next for him, I think the clear next guy is Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns just lost his last fight to Hamza Chimaev, a guy that wasn't even in the top five. So 
a guy like Muhammad at number five, I think that makes sense. And also, these are two guys that don't have known their vocabulary when the UFC calls them to fight. Both guys will fight anybody, and they've proven it before. So, Luke, um, Luke, I don't know what to do with him next, honestly. I hope he doesn't look like this in his next fight, but Muhammad versus Burns, I, I, I love the matchup, and it's very difficult to pick a winner in that fight. It's It'll be a high-level fight when it happens, and I want to see five rounds because Muhammad had his first five-round fight in this fight, and he looked a bit tired, which I wasn't expecting. And Gilbert, he's had one fight that went the five rounds, and he looked, uh, I would say, probably looked a little better than Muhammad. So very interesting uh, fight on paper, and I'd love to see it. Uh, And for any Muhammad haters out there, Go look at his early UFC fights. Call those fights boring. Joe Ben, yeah. the Joe mm-hmm. Ben and Neil fights were bangers. Muhammad has just improved himself defensively, so he's not, you know, taking that kind of damage. I just don't understand the criticism. I do agree. Yeah, I, I, I've got to say it was a pitch perfect fight for him. Um, as you talked about the adjustments from the first fight and the second fight. It was evident, evidently clear, and uh, you just got to give pr- uh, props to Blam Hubbard, and I think a big fight is is what he deserves next. I think it's a top five fight, and I, as you talked about that Gilbert Burns fight, both fresh off a fight. Um, I know Gilbert Burns was getting the ace up uh, to you know get back in the winning re- in the winning column, and I think it's a good fight. So I think it's what the UFC should make next. Yeah, I agree with you. We'll move on to the co-main event, Kyle Bohayo. He illegally need Gatsi or Magatsi in the third round after successfully banking uh, two rounds and a half. And, man, this was a night of fouls. We had a ton of fouls. And this was the second technical decision of the night. Uh, I really feel that this this, uh, rule set is flawed. I don't know if I have a better method uh, to fix it, but this just doesn't feel right, honestly. A guy blatantly fouls a guy... um, I do think it was unintentional, but uh, you just got to know the rule set if you're Bohio. He was avoiding it in the past, but, like, I feel like there should be, like, a heavier punishment, honestly, because, like, that was a bad knee. And on the other end, with Godsey, I think Godsey was trying to keep his shiny 13-0 and record. I think the guy – yeah, I saw his story. He said it should have been ruled a no contest and rescheduled for a later date. Dude, you were losing two and a half rounds of that fight, and you were – in a spot where you are not going to turn things around. So, Bohio, this should not have been a no contest because Bohio clearly was the winner of this fight. And uh, at, at the end of the day, that's what really matters. He had the better skill set. He beat a Russian combat sambo champion. He outgrappled him, took his back. Kyle Bohio is the real deal. And I think that should be the conversation above all rather than, you know, the weird technical decision stuff. Yeah, I've got to agree. I think the dude showed that he is legit and he's, uh, his grappling game, which is what you talked about there, is what surprised me the most. It, it looked incredible against, as you talked about, a combat Sambo world champion and he made it look, you know, fairly easy on the ground and it just shows his levels. Um, I, I, I think we were speaking before the fight and I told you that he had a draw against uh, Jolton Almeida and, and and I was thinking I was thinking to myself, you know what, he might surprise us with a grappling. Maybe I should have thought that a little bit more, but I did pick Omar Gardziev in this fight and maybe... I should have went the other way, but definitely in the future, um, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna um, doubt him anymore because I think he's his his grappling's great. His uh, I feel like he's uh, definitely put himself on the map, and it was a great performance. Yeah, the guy's a black belt in judo, black belt in jiu jitsu, 
Uh, his Muay Thai is great. And one of the main things that he loves to brag about, he's grappled with Damian Maya for years. He's gotten put in the worst positions known to known to man in jujitsu. And he's, you know, he's lived to tell the tale. So Cabo Hayo, he's he's got really elite skills. I think this guy will be in the top 15 in the next couple of years. I really do. When you're finding a guy that was a combat sample world champion, guy that never lost, and you're taking his back for a really long time. You're sweeping the guy. Kayo, Kayo what really impressed me, even though he had a you know weird ending of the fight. But we'll move on to the next fight. This was, I would say this was the most impressive performance of the card. Andre uh, Andre Fialio knocked out Miguel Baeza in round one. Baeza was doing well early. This was kind of how I thought Baeza would fight. I thought he would not be as hittable as he has in other fights because that's what's cost him. He does have a long reach. He can pick up pick guys apart with his jab and his straight punches, but once he gets in that pocket, it's a 50-50 fight, and that's what happened here. He was winning early, and once Fialio had an opportunity to hit him, he hit him as hard as he could, and then he got in the clinch in with vicious uppercuts, and he put him down, landing the finishing blow. Fialio has vicious power man he fought michelle pajeda and he rocked him he he knocks guys out or he rocks him pretty much every time out even if even if he loses the guy if y'all yo i think this guy is gonna stick around the ufc for a long time because goodness gracious he can knock out the best of them yeah, I've got, I've got to agree. I think Andre Fialo is a, a fantastic uh, addition to uh, to the division, and it just shows as you were talking about his heavy hands. He, he, you know, he's, as it's shown in here once again against Mark, uh, Miguel Bielsa, it was a fantastic knockout. Uh, I like to see where it goes from here. I think there's some good matchups in in division for him, but I feel like this one was tailor made for fight tonight. But uh, I feel like Andre Fialo had different different plans, and he knocked him out. It was a good fight until the ending. I think that both both guys were landing back and forth, but it just shows. Uh, Andre Fialo has that power uh, differentiate, and it just showed that he knocked him out and uh, he, he put the lights out. And it's a fantastic win, though, um, against the tough guy, uh, Miguel Bielsa, who a few fights ago we thought was a fantastic prospect. Still is. He has a lot of time to learn. Yeah. I feel like he made the same mistakes he made in the Ponzi Nibio fight in the Chaos William fight. He stayed in the fight for too long. And the guy's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And he's got a nice reach on him. How about you start, you know, using your uh, kickboxing at range and maybe work on your wrestling to try to take guys down and go for submissions? I think Baeza is an unfinished product. And uh, we have to remember the, the kid's not, not even 30. I'm not, I'm not sure what his age is. Not even 30. He's an unfinished product. I think he can still uh, do great things in this division. Maybe find himself ranked one day, but... Don't give up on Baeza yet, but uh, I, I will say the durability is not what I once thought it was. Mm -hmm. uh, having a quick look at him now. Um, he is—he was born in 1992, off the top of my head. Uh, 29 years old. Yeah, 29. Okay, so he is getting there. Uh, yeah, ba Baeza is not a guy that has a ton of miles on him exactly. So, yeah, I still think he can do uh, really good stuff in this division. As for, uh, as for Fialio... The matchmaking for him is super fun to do because, as I said, he can knock out anybody, so he's always got the punches chance. I say put him in there with Nico Price. Woo! That is a fantastic fight. Uh, both yeah. men come through. Yeah, that, that's definitely fight a night contender. Yeah. 
And I think he's a guy that very well could knock out Nico Price in the right situation. We'll move on to the next fight. Myra Bueno Silva beat Wu Yanan by unanimous decision. This was given the fight of the night, but let's be honest, the opener on the main card, that was a real fight of the night. But nonetheless, these, these two ladies, they put on a, a really decent fight. In the first round, Bueno Silva fought really well. She knocked down Wu Yanan. I thought she was about a finisher. But Wu Yanan sticked it through and... In the second round, uh, once again, Buenos Silva is winning the striking. And then she gets taken down. And I was like, oh, no, this is a big mistake for Wu. Buenos Silva submitted Jillian Robertson. And then uh, Buenos Silva starts attacking submissions. She's not able to get any of them. We get back to the feet. And, yeah, I I actually thought Wu Yanan won that second round in retrospect. And I also thought she won the third round. That third round was super close. Very close round. Um Wu Yanan got better as the fight went, and uh, yeah, Bueno Silva has to work on her striking defense. She's just not she's not good at uh, at optics for the judges. Always walking forward, taking shots, just not a good look. So uh, I did think Wu won the fight, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna doubt anybody that scored Bueno Silva. I was watching with the closest eye. Uh, what did you make of this decision? Uh, it's an extremely close decision. I think it could go either way. As you talked about the first round, Silver, second round, Wu, and then that third round. It, I, I think it's, it, it's a, a a coin toss, to be honest. Uh, I think you just choose who, uh, whoever you think because it's a, such a close round. It can go either way. Uh, but it, if you look at you know the volume, different in volume, you know, and Wu, for almost, 100, almost 80 strikes more. Uh, than silver, it, it, it was incredible. So if you think about, if you look, if you're silver right now, you just got to think about, you got to work on your volume, and then, as you talked about as well, that striking defense as well. Um, and it, as you thought about when it went, when it went to the ground, I thought, you know, silver's been here before. She submitted, you know, a fantastic black belt and Jillian Robertson, and may, maybe she can get a submission as you and then as you mentioned, uh, you know, and we've done very well, you know, <laughs> defend and uh, eventually got the fight up and up to the ground. And I, I feel like she done well. I feel like the second and third round was really close. Um, and there's definitely an argument for her to win this fight. Yeah, yeah, that's just the truth. Uh, but uh, I, I was very surprised when I saw uh, as being the fight of the night. We'll talk about later about what I thought was the real fight of the night. Pat Sabatini beat TJ Laramie by unanimous decision in the next fight. Sabatini was one of my most confident picks on this whole card. I actually thought he would get a quick submission here, but TJ's submission defense has improved. Sabatini got his back for, for a long time in this fight. And uh, it reminded me of Sterling versus Jan, of course. Just a lot of control time for Sabatini throughout this fight. In the first round, Laramie was winning the striking until he got hit with a vicious deep kick right to the body. Uh, and, yeah, Sabatini's striking has improved in this fight. Um, and he just showed an all-around good skill set. He's 4-0. He's one of those guys that's so... They, that's so strong that you can just muscle guys down there. I really like Sabatini's whole skill set. Uh, Laramie, on the other hand, he's just too short for the division. I wouldn't call Sabatini a big featherweight, but he's definitely bigger than Laramie. I think Laramie should consider going down to Penway. Yeah, I've got to agree with you, and I think that's definitely the logical option if I'm TJ uh, moving forward. Uh, and as you talk about Pat Sabatini, 4-0 inside the UFC now is definitely something that we probably maybe uh, not looked as much, but definitely I think we should keep an eye on in the future. And I feel like if you look at um, uh, TJ Laramie's last fight against Derek Minow when he got submitted, I think the UFC did him no favours. They gave him a harder matchup yeah. in past Sabatini. So if you look at the run in the UFC he's had, he's coming off um, 
uh, it came off contender series. Uh, I, I feel like they're not really getting many favors. Um, and definitely, I do agree with you. I think a, a move down to bantamweight would uh, be the wise decision uh, moving forward in his career. But Pat Sabatini, man, this guy is uh, improving every fight that we see. And uh, I'd definitely like to see another step up in competition and see how he handles that. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think uh, I think there's a lot of great options for uh, Sabatini next. Uh, I don't see him getting a rank out because the division is so stacked. But I think he's like one fight away. I really think he is. We'll move on to the next fight. Munir Lazes beat Anche Lusa by unanimous decision. This was a really fun fight to watch. I predicted this to be mainly a kickboxing match. And for the most part, it was both guys, you know, they, they fought their style fight. And plain and simple, Lazez had a full can for this. Lucid did not. And Lazez just, he's sharper. He just looks sharper out there. And he had the high output. That was really a difference maker here. Uh, Lusa is tough as nails. If you watch the Jack Della Madalena fight of the contender series, the guy can take a punch, man. And that's what happened here. Lazez pieced him up for the majority of the fight. But in that third round, both guys increased their output. But uh, still, Lazez was the guy ahead. And it was a super exciting third round. And I thought this should have been the, the fight of the night. But the, some people are saying that uh, since Manil Lazez shouted out uh, some Irish mob boss in his post-fight interview, maybe he caused himself a bonus with that. I, I don't know. That's That might be the only logical reasoning. Forgive him, Bueno Silva, the, the fight of the night bonus over this one because this one was a really fun kickboxing fight. Yeah, to be honest, I, I, I'm not very clued up with that mob boss. I'm, I'm not too sure who who he is, to be honest. Uh, um, so, the, so the US government has a five Daniel bounty on his head. Kirk, yes, Daniel Kirk, something yeah. like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. Uh, I don't know what he's done or or anything like that, but I, I have heard Munir Lazic talk about him in the post fight interview saying how he. He helped him become a better person, and he supported him. Uh, so it, it's a weird stance, um, but I, I'm I'm not too sure what to say. I'm yeah, not going to comment neither. on it because I, I I'm not too sure. But we're coming on his um, performance. I think it was a fantastic performance. And if I'm loser, I, I think the most important thing now for him is he's inside the UFC, and he didn't really give a bad account of himself it, on short notice. He came in there, he gave it his all. Um, I think it's it's a good a good fight for him because I think he's gonna get he's definitely gonna get another fight inside the UFC. I think that's the most important thing inside the UFC now. And Lazez, uh, you know, bouncing back from the uh, from the loss against um, uh, Worley Worley Alves. There you go, Worley Alves, and uh, I think that was the most important thing for him. Uh, and as you talk about his uh, his striking is crisp, uh, and and that's the, the you know the Munir Lazez that we expected uh, in previous fights. And I feel like we, he he's he's came back and with. Uh, He's back on that train again. I'd like to see him, uh, you know, get another fight, uh, see how he looks. Uh, but for Lusa now, I, I think uh, as the most, as I said, the most important thing is he's inside the UFC. He's going to get another shot. And uh, on sure notice, to be honest, it wasn't that bad of a performance. Yeah, not at all. I think he is UFC caliber. Uh, he's a Sanford MMA product, training with a ton of UFC fighters over there. I think he can hold his own for the UFC for a good while. We'll move on to the prelims. Devin Clark. Knocked Ooh, out William Knight in round three. Oof. This was a surprise to me because I thought Devin Clark uh, would, you know, not really look to strike. I thought he would just grind the fight out, win a decision, as he usually does, because he never finished anybody in the UFC. Uh, so when Devin Clark opened up and found the chin on William, I was very surprised. Uh, and this is the evolution we need to see from Devin Clark. Start showing that he's got a threat with his striking not just his wrestling, and that's what he did 
William Knight, on the other hand, has fallen on hard times. Not only did he miss weight by record number, now he moves up to heavyweight where he's not cutting that weight. He can't make that excuse anymore. And he still looked pretty awful. The only real moment he had in the fight was the, the gee team, which, uh, which you know, he's not he's no black belt. He doesn't have the proper technique, but he's got huge tree trunk arms that he could have, you know, really snapped uh, Devin Clark's head off with. But besides that, he didn't look good. I thought this was a mismatch because Devin Clark's a really good wrestler, junior college national champion, and William Knight got absolutely mauled by uh, Don Jung, who I wouldn't call a great wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. So Devin Clark did what he uh, needed to do before he scored that knockout, which was really surprising because William Knight's shown to be durable. Uh, exactly. I do, I, I do agree. I think it's a fantastic performance of Devin Clark. If you look at striking numbers, 125 landed at 140. It just shows his accuracy and that he's, he's definitely striking. He's definitely getting better and the finish was beautiful. Um, the way it started off with the elbow and then the left it, it inside the clinch and then he finished it, put him uh, face down. Um, that, that was the last, last as you've talked about, that's probably the last outcome I expected for Devin Clark to win. Either decision or, or submission. Um, did not expect Devin Clark to, to, to finish him on the feet, but it just shows uh, that he's improving. Um, before the fight, I thought that, you know, the move up for William Knight to heavyweight was a good idea. But now I look at it and I think maybe Devin Clark, that's a good move. Uh, I think the division's more wide open. Uh, but I feel like when he gets to the, the top of the division, he'll start to get uh, overpowered, should we say. But I think the move up for Devin Clark is probably not a bad idea. But I feel like he's going to go back down to 205 pounds. Yeah, um, Devin yeah. Clark did beat Jake Collier. Jake Collier is not having a, a bad run right now. So. If I Devin wouldn't Clark, mind it. If Devin Clark wants to eat all the food he wants and just be a middling heavy, uh, middling heavyweight, he can do it. But uh, if he wants to do well for himself, I say light heavyweight. It's still the I way to go. He was, I believe, was once ranked at light heavyweight. Uh, same for William Knight. Go back to light heavyweight, dude. Start. I mean, start he came in at two hundred and fifty-one. Yeah. And I and it didn't help him. Let's be honest. It did not help no. him. He looked slower. That's not. It was not a good look for William Knight. I, I really think William Knight needs to. Uh, I don't know. I really feel like William Knight is a guy that came into the UFC too early for the contender series and just probably going to find himself cut eventually. Mobile we'll fight. This was a rematch, ten years in the making. Lena Lansberg made her MMA debut against Penny, and she lost that fight, and she lost this fight again. There was a ten year gap between them the first time around. And uh, once again, this time, Lena was the one that was 40, and Penny's just 30. So I thought this was almost a foregone conclusion that Penny would win this fight, just quicker, younger, you know, more active. And that's that's kind of what happened here. There was a clinch battle a lot of the fight. And, uh, yeah, Penny got the better of her the whole fight, except for the second round where she got knocked down with an elbow uh, they call it the queen of the elbows for the reason for for a reason, but the third round was how I thought the whole fight would play. I didn't think we'd see that much clinching. I thought it'd be more of a striking battle, and in that in that kind of battle, Penny pieced up uh, Lena and showed why she was such a big favorite. Yeah, uh, we talked about it before we came to the, uh, on the show. Um, Paddy Kitty had uh, she has, she has fantastic boxing, and you know, once again it showed uh, that, you know she's level above Zerlin Lansberg on the striking realm. And um, 
definitely, as as we talked about before, is uh, I think the activeness of Pina Kanzied was uh, going to be a difference maker on it, and it showed um, uh, being two two years away from the octagon and jumping straight in there with a top fifteen uh, woman. It, you know, it, it wasn't going to go very well, and uh, Pina Kanzied showed how good she is, and uh, that she is the better better fighter out of the two of them. This is two and no for her now, so um, that is a good matchup, uh, a good fight, and. Um, I'd definitely like to see Pat Pani, you know, get a top 10 fight. I think she might be ranked maybe in the top 10 now. Yeah, I believe she is. And I believe the Aspen lad fight should be next for Aspen Lad's falling on hard times and Penny's making way up. I think that makes sense. We'll move on to the next fight. The return of Jakar Close. He scored himself a second round KO against Brandon wow. Jenkins. Close looked amazing. He had a, he had a performance uh, pretty much equally as good as to Aaron Pico's performance. Uh, he paced up Brandon Jenkins. Brandon Jenkins is not a defensively uh, responsible fighter. He's shown him many times. He made Rongshu look like Armin Sarukian. So when I saw these two matched up, I was thinking this is a mismatch, and it was. It, it simply was. Jakar Close was minus 600, and I think that was due to the fact that the shove did that kind of damage to Close. If there was no shove and all we had was uh, Jakar Close almost knocking out Padillo Davis, I think your card close would have been like minus 1100. I really think this was an awful matchup for Jenkins. Close is quicker, more powerful, way better wrestler. And I thought he was going to out wrestle in this fight. He went out there looking for bonus money because guys in fighting two years probably need the money. And he wrecked <laughs> Jenkins's face, man. Uh, really good performance by Close. Happy to see him getting back in there. Uh, I don't know what he has against Marco Madsen. Yeah, I've got to agree. I think uh, Jakarta Close. I think this was a statement um, he wanted to make in this fight. I, I feel like he didn't want to wrestle, and I feel like he definitely wanted to uh, uh, knock him out and you know, pro, uh, you know, approve uh, you know his striking to get better. And I think he, he definitely did. And um, as he does by Jenkins uh, coming off the PFL, um, it, it wasn't you know the greatest matchup. It's definitely a mismatch against Jakarta Close, who has had a a close fight against Benoit Zarouge less than what, two years ago, uh, who's in top five now. So it just shows that he's level above Jenkins and uh, there's definitely a matchup that probably shouldn't have happened. But a comeback fight, um, you can't complain. And close definitely looked uh, the better man this night. It's, it's definitely the better fighter. Um, it'd be interesting to see where he goes for me. I think there's some fantastic matchups that they can make in the lightweight division with him. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think uh, he shouldn't get Madsen. I think he should, he should get Vince Bichelle. Just because the inactivity. We'll move on next to Rafa Garcia's win over Jesse Ronson. I picked Rafa Garcia on the show. I, I actually ended up picking Jesse Ronson. I just couldn't trust Rafa Garcia after he gassed out bad in the Groot Smocker fight. Uh, but Jesse Ronson, on the other hand, he was coming off a long layoff. He's now a clean athlete. And he didn't look good. He looked like a guy that had a lot of, a lot of ring rust. And Rafa Garcia clearly won the first round with wrestling. I thought Jesse Ronson would just, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I thought he would be, uh, you know, better with his takedown defense. And in the second round, Rafa Garcia's more success. He fouls uh, Jesse Ronson. Uh, I believe a point was taken. And then uh, we, we get right back to it. And Rafa Garcia gets extra aggressive because he knows he's down that round. And he gets himself a rear naked choke. Uh, which I never really rated Garcia's submission offense because uh, he was he was submitting people in combat to his Americas, but the UFC's not looked for any submissions. So Rafa Garcia no, showed a new uh, a new uh, tool in the skill set in this fight, 
And uh, Chester Bronson just looked really flat. And I think this either might just be the layoff or it's the fact that he's now a clean athlete. Yeah, I've got to agree. Uh, this is a fantastic... Um, if you look at Rafa Garcia's um, record inside the UFC, I, I believe he hasn't yeah, lost. He's just got a draw, I, I, I believe. Um, so, you know, he's a fantastic fighter. Uh, and, and as you talked about, Jen, uh, Jesse Rodson having that time off, um, now a clean athlete. Um, you know, he upset... Um, who was it? Nicholas Dalby. There we go, Nicholas Dalby. And Nicholas Dalby's a fantastic fighter. Yeah. Uh, he just clipped him and then submitted him. Um, I believe, if I'm correct, uh, and yeah. then Rafa Garcia. So it, it was a hard test for him, and um, I I understand why he switched, but definitely the ring rust, um, the time outside the cage, and uh, obviously being a clean athlete, it, it definitely didn't show well for Ronson this night. And um, it'd be interesting to see where it goes from here, but it's, it's an interesting um, move going forward. But Rafa Garcia, he, he, int he intends to improve every single fight, um, but as you said, um, he's gashed out in the past, and. Uh, uh, if it go, if the fight goes to the round three, uh, you know, I tend I would tend to favour his opponent, but it didn't get there. He didn't allow it to get there, so it shows his finishing instinct, and it was another another win inside the record. So it's a good win for him as well um, in the lightweight division, a stat lightweight division. Yeah, we'll move on to the next fight. Chris Barnett, he lost to Martin Boudet by technical unanimous decision in the third round. This was the other technical decision. Uh, and I thought this one was a was a just technical decision. Uh, this this was a card of mismatches in my opinion. Uh, but they was in my parlays because Chris Barnett is a very short, undersized heavyweight, and Boudet has the perfect style to fight him. Why why fight at distance with this guy and let him wheel kick you in the face? You just get him up against the fence, use your size, use your strength, and the guy will tire out. You land vicious knees to the body, and that's what happened today. Need him right in the <laughs> right in the ribs a ton of times. Barnett claimed his rib was broken, and that's when I knew the fight was not far from being over. And it looked like that because Barnett was getting hurt bad. Uh, he was rocked. Uh, Boudet was about to finish the fight, but I don't know what he was thinking, throwing a throwing an elbow right to the back of the head. But uh, I feel like Barnett. Might have been to blame there. I'm not sure. Um, at the end of the day, but Day was the rightful winner in this fight. And Barnett, I don't know if the UFC likes to Barnett likes to market Barnett like they do. Why would you give him such an awful matchup? And uh, yeah, it was an awful matchup as I thought it was. But Day looked good out there, uh, just about the foul. And I think he gives a lot of problems to guys in this division. The guy, the guy's very physically imposing. And with that clinch style that he has, I think I think he beat a lot of guys. Yeah, it's nice to see two, you know, fresh faces inside the heavyweight division. Chris Barnett and, you know, Martin Bidet, you know, fresh face inside the heavyweight division. Uh, Barnett making his second appearance and Bidet making his first appearance. So it, it's nice to see these guys getting it, you know, getting to get it done on the on the big stage. Um, and as you said, Martin Bidet, you know, fantastic win. Uh, great performance against uh, probably an outmatched, as you said, uh, Chris Barnett. Uh, as soon as he got tired, just never looked inside the fight. And, um... Them knees inside the clinch from Martin Bidet were lethal. It was unbelievable. And as you talked about, um, Chris Barnett told his coaches uh, that his rib might be broken. Uh, and then the seven minutes and 44 seconds of control time, it just shows um, how good he is. He could do it anywhere. And uh, I'm excited to see where he goes with me. I think he's got a good future, as you talked about. I think he can give some uh, heavyweights at the top of the top of the, uh, the top 15, top 10. I think he can give us some trouble. Yeah, and he, it's not like the guy was slowing down either. 
and Barnett had a chance of turning the tide, I think. That was the right move, technical decision for Boudet. We'll move on to Jordan Levitt's unanimous uh, split decision win over Trey Ogden. And there was some debate over the scoring of this fight. At the end of the day, Jordan Levitt, was he doing um, a ton of damage with those leg kicks? Not really, but was Ogden doing anything significant? No, he wasn't. So Levitt, in my opinion, was the rightful winner. He was way busier in this fight uh, in the second round particular. Um, the first round went to Ogden, in my opinion. Levitt won the second round with those leg kicks. Third round, Ogden was gassed. He got stuck on bottom. Jordan Levitt, uh, I'm surprised he wasn't able to put off submission, but I guess Ogden's learned from his uh, past mistakes getting submitted by the same guy with a guillotine in like two minutes. I think he's improved, but I think I don't. I don't think he's UFC caliber. Quite honestly, Trey Ogden, when you're when you're losing on the feet to Jordan Levitt, that's not a good look at all. And when you're supposed to be a submission artist, and you really can't do anything off your back, it's just not a good look. It's really not a good look. Jordan Levitt is a guy that I've been looking to bet against, but they keep on giving him favorable matchups, and he keeps on winning them. So hopefully he gets a step up next uh, where I can, where people can finally see how, how flawed his game is. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, we, we talked about Jordan Levitt uh, before the fight, uh, and you, you were talking about his um, his striking and his striking defense. And uh, as you talked about, you know, Ogdan making it look, uh, making it look to improve, and uh, that that was um, you know not a good look for you, a good look for him. And I, I definitely agree. Uh, maybe not UFC caliber, uh, but yeah, this is this was a weird fight, interesting fight. Uh, as you talked about Ogdan getting the first round, and uh, Jordan Levitt getting the second and third round. But the leg, as you talked about, he landed fifty two out fifty nine, uh, but not much doing too much damage. Uh, it was just a bit, it was just touching him. It was just touching him and uh, uh, just letting him know he's there. And uh, uh, this was a, a good fight for Jordan Levitt. You know, he improves another win. Uh, but yeah. Definitely one that I won't watch again. Yeah, I agree with you there. We'll move on to the next fight. Stella Nunes, as a 2-1 to favorite, lost to Sam Hughes by a majority decision. This was another fight where we saw a ton of fouls. Uh, Stella Nunes could not keep her, her fingers to herself. She kept on sticking them right in Sam Hughes' eye. Taking a point was the right move, but it didn't, it didn't necessarily matter because I scored the second round for Sam Hughes. First one obviously went to Stella Nunes. Nunes threw with bad intentions. He's got real power. But uh, Hughes has shown she's pretty tough. So in that second round, uh, the first half went to Nunes. But Sam Hughes made the adjustments. And I was really impressed with what she did out there. Because I really doubted her in this fight. And in the third round, she really, uh, it was more of the same. She was getting uh, the, she got the takedown and got the control time. I think Sam Hughes has learned from her uh, past fights where she, where she's unable to adapt. She adapted in this one. Nunes has a serious uh, pacing issue, I would say. But uh, nice to see Sam, Sam Hughes get a win because, boy, she was fed to the walls right away. And we both wrote off Sam Hughes in this fight uh, massively when we, when we were talking on the preview show. Uh, we were talking about how Nunes used to, uh, fought for the one championship belt, uh, didn't go her way. Uh, she's fought the you know the better stellar competition, uh, and then Sam Hughes in her last few fights, uh, last three fights, uh, has has been fed. Uh, honestly, almost um, and, you know really good fighters. I can't remember the top of my head. Uh, Tisha Torres. Tisha Torres 
John Yoon Fry as well. So I believe, if I'm correct. Juan Pinheiro. Juan Pinheiro. Oh, I thought it was John Yoon Fry. What am I talking about? Uh, anyway, yeah. Sam Hughes, yeah, definitely getting a, a much-deserved win. Uh, but I, we both thought Nunes was going to get this one done. And I, and I still thought, but the, the way she came in, she was thrown with reckless abandonment and uh, she was at landing her punches. And uh, it showed that Sam Hughes was, uh, just had a better head on her, head on her shoulders. So... Uh, the, the IQ was there, and um, it, that, that's what really got her job done. Um, she she ne- learned to pace herself, land the punches, and not throw everything 100%, and just touching uh, Nunes, and I think it worked. And uh, it was a good performance, and uh, definitely like, g- definitely good to see her get inside the uh, the wing column of the UFC, as, you, as, we, as we talked about, um, being fed the wolves inside the UFC uh, for the first three fights. Moving on, we have the opening of the card. Alatang Haley knocked out Kevin Kroom inside of a minute, 47 seconds. I picked Alatang Haley to win by knockout. I told you guys that uh, he was one of the more powerful guys Kroom had fought. Kroom was going down a division. He did not look good on the scales. He's a big guy for this weight class, but I don't think I don't think uh, the size advantage matters when your chin is that compromised. That's what it looked like to me. Uh, Ken Kroom got hit with a good one, and right away uh, Haley followed up, and he looked he looked great out there. Super accurate strikes. And the Kroom just, it just could not absorb the damage well at all. That was the story of this 47-second fight. Uh, Alatang Haley finally getting to showcase his, his power in the UFC. He's got to win over Don Bakari. Uh, I feel like he should have been an even bigger favorite on the card. This was another mismatch to me on this card. It's wild how this card was match made. Yeah, I, I've got to agree. And uh, as you talked about, the Kevin Kroom dropped down to 135 pounds. I, I, we talked about it in the preview show, and I think this uh, uh, the cherry on the top is definitely. Um, I definitely think it's 145 pounds, if not 155 pounds, for for Kevin Kroom. Um and Harlan, as you talked about, Hey Lee uh, putting on the bombs, uh, getting the job done in 47 seconds. Phenomenal work, and it was a fantastic way to kick off the card. But unfortunately, the rest of the card didn't really follow it. Yeah, let's be honest. This card was uh, lackluster at best. It just didn't feel like the sizzle was there, especially since we had a ton of fights. Uh, outside of the UFC Apex. It's kind of a bummer that the UFC has fight nights in the Apex all the way until June 4th. It's a real shame because the crowd brings a different kind of energy. Um, but Bellator, they did have fans. But uh, I want to say the card was uh, way better. But boy, we had some memorable moments on this card uh, nonetheless. I say we kick things off by talking about uh, Socrates Hernandez versus uh oh wait no we'll just start at the top of the card i say yeah i say we start at the top of the card aj mckee was the champion coming into this fight against pitbull this was a rematch after mckee had knocked out i mean submitted pitbull in the first round mckee was a big favorite i i thought he was gonna put away pitbull again but man we all disrespected pitbull in this fight didn't we uh pitbull fought a very smart game plan in this fight and he won back his title in the first round. I did score that round for McKee. The second round, I scored for Pitbull ever so slightly. Uh, the, the big difference maker here was the likings for Pitbull. And the fact that he was thrown with, you know, worse intentions than McKee. I really thought he was landing heavier. And the third round, he rocks McKee. And then he goes for the guillotine. Um Almost gets it, but McKee slips his head off. I thought that was a clear round for Pitbull. And the fourth round, I slightly gave it to Pitbull. And the fifth round, I cleared McKee round. He started using his wrestling. And 
if he used his wrestling earlier, I think we'd be talking about McKee retaining his belt right now. But this was not a good performance for McKee at the end of the day. And Frayer did exactly what he needed to to win. Uh, he stayed out of danger. And I don't, I don't agree with those people criticizing this decision. I feel like McKee simply did not do enough to keep his belt. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got to agree, and uh, I think it was a close fight. Uh, I think Patricio did enough in, in the rounds that he won, uh, and the McKee obviously in that fifth round, uh, it's just a little bit too late. We start to use the wrestling, and as he talked about, if he used that earlier, uh, we'd definitely be talking about him retaining the belt. Uh, but yeah, I feel like this is a uh, sets up the obviously it sets up the trilogy. Uh, now for them, uh, and that's definitely going to be, if not probably the biggest fight in Bellator history. Um, so th that's something they've created. Uh, but uh, AJ McKee is definitely their, you know, their star boy. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, AJ McKee, Bellator star boy, and producer Pitbull, arguably the best Bellator fire that they've had on their on their roster ever in, in in their existence. So it's a fantastic fight. Um, I'd like to see it again. Why not? Um, uh, I think the Bellator will make it again straight away. Uh, but, but I think it was a close fight. AJ McKee um, uh, just didn't do enough in this fight, and uh, it, it showed. And I think the producer Pitbull made the correct adjustments uh, to get him the get him the nod, and uh, he was more letting AJ McKee come towards him. And uh, and we talked about you know producer Pitbull, he's counting uh, his strikes is uh, is unbelievable. And uh, uh, as you talked about in that third round, hurt him badly, and uh, almost got him uh, with, with that with that guillotine. That that would have been bittersweet for him. Uh, but yeah, it was a fantastic win uh, from producer Pitbull and regained the belt once again. Um, I, I think the trilogy is next for them. Uh, we did hear McKee say that he does not want to fight at 145 pounds anymore. He says he wants to go to 155, which that makes zero logical sense because if he were to go to 155, he's not getting at a tough shot off the bat because he just lost. He just lost to the other Pitbull brother. So it, I don't think it makes sense to give him a title shot right away, especially when you got um, much more deserving contenders. I think even Aaron Pico deserves a title shot more than AJ McKee at 155. So AJ McKee's in a weird spot because he was overlooking Pitbull the whole week. He's talking about, I'll be UFC champion one day. I'll knock out Volkanovski, this and that. And he was overlooking the challenge right in front of him. Pitbull, uh, Pitbull was ready to five, fight five hard rounds. In this fight, and McKee was kind of looking like he was gonna do the same thing to, to Pitbull. Then that was not the case. McKee got humbled. He really got humbled because he was talking about he was the best fighter in the world. I don't think he's the best fighter in the world, especially when you're capable of performances this lackluster. So, um, I, I, I say the people that score the fight for McKee, uh, I think you ought to look it back and look at the kind of uh, heavy shots that. Frere was landing the whole fight. I think he won that fight decisively, in my opinion. We'll move on to the co-main event, which was so weird. The first round, uh, Nem Cobb was able to stuff takedowns, was able to do uh, the better work on the feet. And, man, after that, he just didn't look at it at all. Corey Anderson started getting his wrestling offense going, got a lot of control time, landing heavy ground and pound. And in the third round, more of the same. But we get that accidental headbutt, and neither man walks up with the big one million dollar novelty check. It was so hilarious that they had to that they had the 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 check ready. They had it ready to present it. They had to walk it down and just get rid of it because neither guy uh, won here. It was declared a no contest. 
And it's a real shame because this was a championship fight. Um, and if we had seen the fourth round start, Corey Anderson would be the Bellator champion via technical decision. But that's just not that's not the case. And uh, Nemkov gets to keep his belt. But I don't think he keeps his belt when these guys run it back. I've got to agree. I think uh, it, by, the, by the time, you know, when the fight finished, uh, I, I believe... In, in my eyes, anyway, I think uh, Corey Anderson was two one up. Um, I think the first round um, Nemkov, and then the second, the third round, I think it was going. It was Anderson's way, and uh, uh, obviously, what happened at the end of the round uh, was unfortunate. Um, but it was quite a weird decision. Uh, I, I agree with a no contest. Um, it, it was a weird one because I, I felt like uh, I don't think you could pin it on either guy. It's, um, it, it's, it's a hard one yeah. to make, and I think they they definitely made the right call. Uh, but now, as you talked about, they're going to run it back straight away. Um, and I feel like we're going to see sort of the same fight. And I think Corey, now Corey Anderson has felt for Demon Nemkov, uh, know, knows what to expect. So I think we're going to see an even cleaner performance from Anderson in that rematch. Um, but yeah, it's just a real shame because Corey Anderson has been hunting for that, you know, the major MMA league title. Uh, and this is a chance uh, to get it. And uh, unfortunately, another tale in his story has gone wrong. Yeah, it's a real shame. I think uh, these guys run it back in the next five months, hopefully, and I think Anderson gets that belt back in. I would actually, I would actually think he, he gets like a fourth or fifth round TKO because I felt like he broke Nemkov. I really think he did. Um, Nem Nemkov had a flat performance in uh, Corey Anderson. Just he's improved by leaps and bounds since like his Ultimate Fighter days, where he was getting, uh, where in his early UFC days getting knocked out by John Velate. Now he's. You could argue he's the best in the world right now. He does have a win over uh, Jan Blachowicz. He beat the champion in the UFC, Glover Chater. You could, If you say he's the best in the world right now, I won't argue with you. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic argument, 100%. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it was a good win. Uh, well, a, a good fight uh, b b by the time it ended. So it was a fantastic fight. Um, I definitely can't wait for you to run it back. It's just unfortunate the next one. Uh, I'm not too sure whether the the one million will be up for grabs. So uh, that that's unfortunate. It, it will be. It will be. They they kept the bracket open. I I would have felt really bad if the million was off the table, but uh, they showed uh, on the broadcast that the bracket is still undecided. So yeah, it's not over quite just that's yet. Cool. That's and, good. Because uh, that would have been unfortunate end to this World Grand Prix. Which let's be honest, it it fell apart quickly once uh, Romero versus Rumble was off the table. I knew things were, were not going to go well. And uh, Rumble wins his fight, then he's out of terminus. Rumble might be the best uh, the best uh, light heavyweight in Bellator. We just might not know it. So a lot, lot of question marks even after this World Grand Prix. But uh, let's move on to the next fight. There is no question that Aaron Pico is on the rise. Aaron Pico got himself a third-round TKO over Adelaide Edwards. Uh, Edwards is a Tony Ferguson doppelganger. You cannot tell me different. The guy is tough as nails. He looks just like Tony Ferguson. Aaron Pico has lever shots from hell, man. Pico is so powerful, so explosive. One of the best wrestlers in all of MMA. Uh, he was one of the best prospects for a while there, but he did get viciously knocked out. He lost a couple. Now he's on a really good win streak. I think Pico is, I would say, a fight or two from a title shot, quite honestly, because he's performing so well. Um, and he looked every bit of the minus 1100 favor in this fight. I really like what I've been seeing from Pico recently. 
Yeah, I've got to agree. I think that move to Jackson Wink has uh, been, been a fantastic one. Um, I think the next fight, well, we're talking about this fight, actually. I think it was a fantastic fight. And as you talked about, um, Ed was <laughs> reminiscent of uh, Tony Tony Ferguson. It was uh, He took a lot of shots, took a lot of heavy shots. And as you were talking about, them liver shots, that left hook to the body from Aaron Pico is a thing of nature. It's, 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 it's phenomenal. He hits like an absolute truck. And uh, obviously, we know how good his wrestling is. Um, uh, he, he's got all the tools. Uh, to become Bellator champion, it's just how he uses them. Um, and he's definitely he needs to stay, his fight IQ is uh, definitely improved uh, since uh, from his losses. And uh, I think it's a good he's set on himself for a good run as of late. Um, I think it's uh, the only way is off Aaron Pico. But I think the next one for him now is um, that rematch against uh, Adam Borix. Uh Adam Boric yeah. just beat Mads Burnell, and I think that will make sense next. Yeah, if if uh, Borix gets the title shot, do the Burnell fight. E- either way, I yep. think uh, I think Pico. Got a real shot at being both guys, and now he now he's evolved as a fighter, um, and he's a little more defensively responsible. Of course, it's Ali Edwards. Edwards was not did not have exactly the skill set of threatening him, so he could open up more. So yeah, Pico looked fantastic out there. Third round TKO for him. Uh, Edwards is a guy that should stick around in belt. Or the guy's tough as nails. He's got a good record. Um, we'll move on to the open of the card. Tim Johnson lost to Lyndon Marcel TKO in round one. Man, Tim Johnson was on his way to finishing that fight, wasn't he? And then uh, <laughs> Vassell gets on top. Heavy ground and pound. Uh, yeah. We picked Vassell to win this via TKO, but we did not expect him to be in this kind of trouble. Yeah, Lyndon Vassell, I talked about it on the previous show. If Lyndon Vassell will get on top of you and flatten you out, it's it's, it's game over. Um, this guy on the ground is phenomenal. It's, it's incredible. And, you know, we saw a, Br- a British guy, you know, wrestle uh, Tim Johnson, get the better of him. It's, uh, he's showing that and he never went to college, never went to university, anything like that. It's just pure hard work and determination. Uh, that's what you get from Lyndon is uh, it, it just never stopped grinding. Uh, he got knocked down and then he held on to that single leg for so, so long, and eventually, eventually a break came through, and he got it, and he got the job done, and he took the back, and as soon as he took the back, Tim Johnson was in bad trouble, and it looked like um all that work of trying to finish the fight, throwing the punches kind of took his toll on Tim Johnson, and he just didn't, uh, it didn't uh, maybe the gas weren't there, but Linda Vassell got on top, flattened him out, and uh, got the eventual ground and pound finish, and that's four in a row for him now. I, I think if he does get the title shot next, I think maybe um Valentin Moldovsky, uh, is definitely the fight to make is who he called out in the post-fight interview. I think uh, Valentin Modoski versus Linton Vassell, they have fought before. Um, it was when Linton Vassell moved up to heavyweight for the first time. Uh, didn't go his way. And I think it's a good fight. Uh, I think Linton Vassell was obviously, obviously on a four-fight winning streak. And Valentin Modoski coming off a title loss to Ryan Bader. So definitely makes sense. I agree with you there. Uh, we'll move on to the prelims. I, um, I say we head right. I, I don't want to talk about that, Gracie. If you watched that yeah. fight, that was... Uh, yeah, oh. awful. <laughs> Uh, Fortune got a nice uh, TKO early. Yeah, sure. Murdoch looked super aggressive, looked a little leaner, and he wrecked Cavallo in that fight. Uh, but I really want to get to this fight. This this fight stole the weekend, in my opinion. Socrates Hernandez versus Hachelio Luna. This was a banger. Th- these guys fought like they had infinite cardio in that first round. Those guys would not stop throwing punches out there. And I thought Socrates Hernandez was doing well earning the fight. He was cracking Luna with a lot of shots. Luna was bleeding. His mouthpiece was dropping a lot. I actually thought 
I did. I'll be honest. I I knew nothing about either fighter heading into there. Luna was a debutante. Socrates had never won a pro fight, so uh, I wasn't expecting much. But these guys put their hearts and soul out there. They fought. Both guys are unbelievably tough. But uh, as I was saying, Socrates Hernandez won that first round, but Luna was still throwing heat right back, and that second round was wild. I I think it's one of the best rounds I've seen all year. Uh, Socrates Hernandez starts getting clipped, and Luna starts. Luna's just not even breathing heavy. He's throwing everything and the kitchen sink at him, and Socrates is not going down. Um, I really thought uh, Luna was almost about to finish him, but Socrates would not go away. Come and what's even crazy? I was scoring a 10 8 round for Luna, and Socrates gets a takedown, takes his back, but he's so exhausted he really can't do anything. So Socrates somehow had the wherewithal to get some control time on the mat. And in that third round, man, Luna starts just putting it on him. And he slowed down ever slow slightly. And eventually the referee just, he's seen enough. Socrates is one of the toughest guys I've ever seen in there. I i don't know. How, I just don't know how the guy was not knocked out by some of those tracks. Luna threw everything with bad intentions and could not put him away for over 10 minutes. This fight was a jaw-dropping war. I, I just can't express to you how crazy this fight was. If these guys were like high-level fighters, we'd be talking about this fight as one of the best fights of all time. But uh, but the, just the pure violence of this fight, it's like top three best Bellator fights ever. Yeah, I've got to agree. Uh, it's definitely up there. Um, we're talking up there, you know, with uh, Eddie Alvarez versus Michael Chandler. Uh, yeah. it, it, it was fantastic. Uh, uh, heart of uh, heart of two warriors and uh, Luna getting the best of him as well. And he was uh, potentially losing as well. And uh, he had to come back and get get the job done. He finished a fight and it was a fantastic win. Um, it just shows his determination, his heart, where his mentality is at. A fantastic fight. I loved it. And I talked earlier that uh, with the fight against... Um, I can't remember where I said I wouldn't watch it again, but this is a fight that I could watch again and again and again. It was fantastic violence. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, Bellator put on a good card. I think it was the better card out of the weekend, and uh, it, 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 you know it was it was a good look for him. Um, they definitely put on the most the better the better fights, and I think yeah. it delivered. Yeah, and that's a rare occasion. You know, the the UFC they're Coca Cola of MMA, but uh, this time around, it looked like Pepsi got the better of Coca Cola. That was, that was just plain and simple. Uh, We'll move on to the UFC card for this not, not Saturday. Quite. What? We we got oh, the Bellators. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Bellator is in Hawaii. Bellator two seventy eight. Uh, Juliana Velasquez versus Liz Carmouche. I really like this main event. Liz Carmouche is somebody that the UFC let go because she was beating all the best ones. She beat Kaylin Chukagan. She beat uh, Jennifer Maya. I believe she was. If you wanted Liz Carmouche to do uh, Liz Carmouche after she lost her title shot, there was like nothing the UFC could do with her because she was aging, uh, and they needed people for Valentina to fight. Liz Carmouche was not going to let that happen. So now she's in Bellator, undefeated in Bellator. She beat Deanna Bennett in the last fight, I believe. She's she's on a good run here, and she's fighting Juliana Velasquez, undefeated. She dethroned the champion. Elima Layla McFarlane, who I thought McFarlane was going to sit atop that throne for a while, but Velasquez had just 
she had the superior skill set everywhere in that fight. She was tagging her with good shots, out wrestling her. I think Velasquez is the full package, man. She's um she's a judo champion over in Brazil. I really like her skill set. I would love to see her in the UFC someday. I think she would be a top five talent in the UFC. But in this matchup, I think this is a very close matchup. We know Liz Carmouche also is the whole package. She's got good striking. Her wrestling's really good. Um, only really came up short to Valentina. So it's a very tough one to pick here. What I see here is uh, Velasquez being a quicker striker here. I think she beats her to the punch. But I think Carmouche might be able to get some takedowns and make this a close fight. In the end, I think I'll side with Liz Carmouche to get a split decision. Everybody talks about how uh, how physically strong she is. I think she might be able to get enough control time here. But if it stays striking for a long amount of time, I think Velasquez has the edge. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. And uh, I, I like Velasquez in this one. Uh, as you thought about, she's the full package. Uh, the striking, the grappling, the wrestling. Uh, she's really got it all. Uh, and I feel like she's going to... This is a, obviously her biggest test in her career against a you know, former UFC title challenger in Liz Carmouche. Uh, uh, this is uh, a, a veteran experienced she's been around uh, for best in the world i think uh, uh, velasquez is definitely gonna be tested uh this weekend uh but i, I believe uh, she's gonna come through with flying colors um definitely gonna I'm, i don't think she's gonna stop this commish i think this commish is uh, definitely not gonna be uh, finished um i think we're gonna see this is gonna go to the end uh, to the scorecards uh but i feel like we're just gonna see control time uh from velasquez in this one and uh i think the striking as well is gonna look good uh but yeah I, this is a fantastic fight in the main event. Um, this one's not as stacked as uh, the other Bellator card uh, that we have literally on the next day. They're going back to back in Hawaii. So this one's not as stacked. Uh, pretty much the only main event uh, is the only good card, a good fight on this card. We do have, um, if I look at the bottom here, I believe uh, Eric Perez, former UFC fighter, um, as well against CJ Hamilton. But yeah, the main event is really what I'm looking forward to on Bellator 278 um, as well. Uh, but I think this is a fantastic fight. I think Julian Velasquez is going to get it done. Yeah, and Julian Velasquez in the last fight, she fought Denise Kielholtz, who was just 6-2. Six, six and two. If you're going to a split with a 6-2 and two fighter, you're going to have a tough night with Liz Carmouche. I'll just say that. Liz Carmouche has that wealth of experience. I'll just say she had the first women's MMA fight in UFC history. <laughs> She's That's been around the block. I think Liz Carmouche is going to be a real challenge for her at uh, 16 and 7. I, I think Liz Carmouche walks away with the belt. 100%. This, might, this is uh, Oscar's told you so to fight then. Yep. Yeah, so as we talked about, Bellator 278 uh, goes down this Friday. Uh, not too much really to talk about on, on, on the rest of this card. Um, uh, we've got uh, uh, Christian Edwards uh, as well. He's a, fun, he's a good prospect against Grant Neal, uh, the brother of um, Jeff Neal. So that, that'd be interesting yep. to watch. Um, Eric Barzola used to, used to fight in the UFC uh, in the co-main event. Um, Zach, uh, Zach Zane, I believe it is, versus um, uh, Tarek Musiev. Uh, he's a former US, no, former Ryzen champion. Uh, beat Tricky Pitbull. Um, uh, too much. I can't really remember too much of him. Uh, Eric Perez, as I talked about, against CJ Hamilton. That's a good one in the prelims. And then Weber Almeida as well on the prelims. Uh, he's a good prospect to look out for. But this is, is this is good. I like how the uh, Bellator are going back to back in Hawaii. Um, I can't remember the last card that was actually in Hawaii. To be honest, whether it was Bellator or UFC. Yeah, it's been a real while. Um, I think it'll be a solid card. But uh, I think we'll be talking about more about a uh, 
Bellator 278. But uh, None. yeah, which card do you want to talk about next? UFC two, uh, Bellator 279, which is the next day. Yep. All right. So Bellator 279 is headlined by Chris Cyborg defending her featherweight Bellator championship versus Arian Blanco. This is a rematch. And this is a rematch that absolutely nobody asked for. Uh, I'll just be blunt there. Blanco got decisively finished in that first fight. There was no question about who was the better fighter uh, once the fight was over. And uh, to see Bellator rebook it again, it just lets you know that that division is really thin. And I, I guess they just gave it to Blanco because she is on a winning streak. And this fight is in Hawaii, her you know, home her, uh, home uh, state. And I really think that we're going to see some uh, some some good work by uh, by Cyborg in this fight. I think Cyborg is going to knock her out. I'll say I'll say round two. I think Michael might be able to just to just survive that first round. But after that, I just think Cyborg puts a vicious beating on her. Yeah, it's pretty much game over, isn't it, for uh, Arian Blanco? So uh, you're in your face with Chris Cyborg, uh, one of the best uh, women fighters that we have in history of MMA, and. Uh, they fought before and it didn't go well for her the first time, and I believe it's not going to go well for the second time. Um, there's not, I've not seen enough in Blanco's game to to really convince me that she's going to win this one. Um, I remember when it was announced when uh, Sinead Kavanaugh beat um, Leah McCourt that she was going to get the shot, and then it came out that Blanco was going to get the shot. So I'm not too sure if Chris Cyborg wins this one. I know Bellator going back to Dublin, so maybe it's Chris Cyborg versus uh, Sinead Kavanaugh and Bellator in Dublin. Um, so. Uh, as you talked about this one it really doesn't make sense for me but it just shows Chris Cyborg moved away from the UFC because didn't have a good relationship Um, uh, the the division was too thin and uh, it just shows that she's coming up to rematches already inside the Bellator division so it just shows how thin she is and how great she is to be honest oh by the way I messed up I said Blanco was a Hawaiian she's not Hawaiian she's Australian I I don't that was a brain fart on my end nonetheless (laughs) I really think Cyborg is get I the fact that they announced that Sinhead Kavanaugh was gonna fight her and then they eventually went to, with Arlen Blanco, I think it might might be Bellator's message that the cyborg is gonna wreck Blanco quick and she's gonna be healthy enough to get in there with Kavanaugh. I, I think that that might be the honest truth. Yeah, I've got to agree. And uh, definitely, if you look at the rest of the card as well, we've got a fantastic rest of the card. Uh, Juan Archuleta versus um, Rafael Stotts. That's a fantastic fight. I believe that's the start of the Bantamweight Grand Prix as well, if I'm correct. It is. It, it is. And it's the interim Bantamweight Championship because, of course, Sergio Pettis is not in this World Grand Prix. He had to pull out. Uh, he was going to fight his teammate, Rafael Stotts. But... uh. Fortunately for him, uh, now Juan Archuleta is in there. And Archuleta is, I think he's he's a staple of the Bellator's bandweight division. Sure, he did lose to Pitbull and Pettis. But besides that, the guy has just been on a fantastic run. Beating guys like Ricky Bandejas, Eduardo Dantas, former champion, Henry Calrales, Patchy Mix. He's beating the vast majority of this division. Um, but I really think Rafion Stotts has given him a look that uh, that he's not had before. Stotts is is the whole package. In his last fight, he was able to beat Magomed Magomedov, one of the two men to ever beat Piotr Jan. And before that, he beat Josh Hill, and he beat Kevin Lee's brother, Keith Lee. 
I, I really like what I've been seeing from uh, Rafael Stotts. He's on a really good run. Um, and I think this will be a competitive fight the whole way through. But at the end of the day, I don't think uh, I don't think uh, this fight will be on the, on the ground much. I think Stotts will mix in takedowns, but I really think on the feet, Stotts will be able to outpoint him. And uh, Archuleta does have big power on his end, but uh, Stotts just he's just he's just something. He's like so unique. He comes out of Rufus Sport, and he's their real hope for the next champion. I, I really think Stotts gets a decision here. I've got to agree. I think this is a fantastic matchup. Uh, that better to put on. Well, uh, in, in the the round one of the Grand Prix, um, I think Stotts is a a, a good a, a good fighter, and uh, and Hard Archuleta is a fantastic test for Stotts. Uh, but I believe this is a a good matchup. The right the right move forward uh, for his direction. And Wasman's fake Pettis, as you've talked about, his teammate. Uh, that would have been an awkward one in the gym. Uh, but yes, I think this is a good, fantastic fight. Um, but I believe Stotts is going to be get the better of Juan Archuleta. I believe it could be grappling. And striking, but I don't believe, as you talked about, I don't believe it's going to be grappling. Um, I think Stotts is going to get the better of him on the feet. Uh, but you know, don't don't write out Archuleta. He's a fantastic fighter. He's uh, definitely uh, one of the best in Bellator. Um, as you talked about, he's beat some fantastic guys. Uh, only lost to you know uh, P- uh, Patricio. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he's, he's fought some fantastic fighters inside the Bellator division, and uh, I think Stotts is going to be another name. Uh, is that is going to get past the one Archuleta test? Um, who's definitely sure knows. So it's yeah. uh, so it's, it's definitely a good fight, but I think Stotts is going to get the better of him. I agree with you there. Uruan to Kaigo Kauji Horiguchi versus Patching Mix. I love this fight on paper. Uh, this is a bit of a striker versus grappler fight. Patching Mix is a really good grappler, man. The guy uh, is out of extreme couture. He can grapple with the best of them. And his only loss is to Juan Archuleta. And that was a vacant uh, title fight there. So he was one fight away from getting that belt. And it's not like uh, Archuleta dominated him in that fight. So uh, Patchy Mix, is, his title hopes are still very live in my opinion. Um, and he's training with a lot of UFC-level guys too. It's not like he's training with bums out there at Extreme Gotor. And he's finding Kaiuchi Horiguchi, who was beating... The current champion, Sergio Pettis, he was winning that fight decisively before he got hit with a spinning back fist from hell. Uh, that does not detract from the fact that he he's probably the best Bellator has to offer right now. And he's got a huge striking advantage versus Patchy Mix. I know Patchy Mix can uh, mix in takedowns, threaten submissions, got a Sulev stretch on his record. He's beating Andre Ewell and Tony Gravely. I think Patchy Mix will be champion one day, but today's not that day. I think Kaigo Horiguchi finds himself a, a unanimous decision in that fight. Uh, I really I really like his whole skill set, man. This striking was looking so good against Pettis, and I don't think uh, Mix has that kind of striking to threaten Kaoji. Yeah, I've got to agree. I think Horiguchi is uh, definitely the favorite in this one, and uh, definitely the better fighter out of the two of them. Uh, as for now, I think, as you talked about, Mix is definitely going to be a champion, definitely going to be a contender in the in the future, but I just believe his time is not now. And um, I mean, Horiguchi is going to put on a, a good performance. He was putting on a good performance, as you talked about, against Sergio Pettis, but until he got clipped um, and, and got his lights put out. But I just don't believe Mix can uh, put his lights out. I think that's the only way he can win. Um, other than that, I think Horiguchi can... Um, 
keep the fight standing. And uh, I think he's going to look better uh, on the feet as well. I mean, Horiguchi is a fantastic fighter on the Bellator roster. Um, definitely, if he's inside the UFC, I believe he could be in that, uh, the, the flyweight or the bantamweight division and be top five, top three. So it just shows the levels that the Bellator are on right now. And I think uh, Horiguchi is a fantastic fighter. It's a, a, a brilliant fight on the main event. Um, uh, main event, main card, I mean. Uh, and I think Horiguchi is going to get the better of uh, Patchy Mix. And uh, I think it's going to be um, a, a one that I'm going to want to watch again. Yeah, we'll on to the next fight. Uh, man, this, this card is, I think this card is getting overlooked. You got uh, the former champion, Alima, like Mike Farland, taking on Justin Just Kish, the UFC veteran. Justin Kish, uh, she lost her Bellator debut to Deanna Bennett. Not much shame in that loss. Before that, she lost a split decision to Tracy Cortez. I had a lot of money bet on Tracy Cortez by decision, and boy, oh boy, was I sweating it when, she was uh when she was tagging Tracy a lot on the feet. Uh it was a split decision. I didn't agree with that, but she I think she won that third round, man. Justin Kish uh is a solid striker. Um she did have a really tough go in the UFC there for a bit. But when she was in the UFC, uh before the UFC, she beat Random Marcos. She has a win over Nina Nunes. She has a win over Ashley Yoder. She beat Lucy Putalova. Uh and I wouldn't say her losses look great on paper, but you look at her overall skill set, and uh, she's not good on bottom. I'll, I'll tell you that. She crapped her pants trying to get up off of uh, Ashley Yoder. But uh, nonetheless, I think uh, in terms of striking, she's got that real meanness to her. And I just – her skill set is just not enough to beat Alima Lake McFarland, who's such a good fighter, man. She was undefeated as a champion before she she lost the belt to, the, to Velasquez. I think McFarland has her outgunned everywhere. I think I think McFarland keeps it on the feet, and I think she outpoints her the whole the whole the whole time. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. And uh, this is a this is a good one. It's it's a good fight. As you talked about, this is a definitely an under underlooked card. Um, back to back is it's a good one. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this is a good fight. It's Ilya McFarland versus Justin Kish for the UFC uh, fire, and then Ilya McFarland, a former bantamweight. Uh, um, not bantamweight. Yeah, but, yeah, it's, yeah, it's bantamweight. Yeah, bantamweight. Former bantamweight. Yeah. Um, or is it flyweight? Former flyweight. I think flyweight. Yeah, flyweight. Former flyweight. Yeah. Bellator champion. Um, yeah, this is a good fight. Um, but yeah, you, you were talking about how these guys, these girls, and how good they are. Uh, Justin Kish better on the feet and uh, her ground game not too great. And even McFarlane, I feel like that's uh, where she shines a bit. And I feel like it's, uh, this might be the story of the fight. I think we might see McFarlane. Um, Control on the ground a little bit and uh, get go get a, um, a judge's scorecard win. Uh, Justin Kish, as you talked about in her debut, uh, lost against Burnett. Um, and I feel like she's gonna lose this one as well to the former champion. Yeah, I actually think uh, McFarlane uh, definitely could uh, get herself a submission in this fight. Uh, yeah, I'll change my pick. I'll say third round arm bar for McFarlane. Oh, actually, uh, I just went off a bit too quickly. Uh, but yeah, it was a fantastic card. Um, uh, we also have a few more uh, fights at the bottom of the card. We have uh, Kai, your boy, uh, Kamaka, uh, on, on, the, on the fight against uh, Justin Gonzalez, who's only lost is to Juan Pico. Uh, and obviously, we've got the return of Yasmin Medeiros in Bellator. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, which is a brilliant fight, man. I love this card. Yeah, I'm a Yamauchi is on the card. I, I, I really like this card. Make sure to tune in to this card, guys. Uh, I say we move on to the UFC's card, UFC Vegas Absolutely. 52. It is headlined by Amanda Lamush versus Jessica Andrash. And once that main event was announced, some people started souring on it. But 
I really believe that none of those people took a good look at that Lamosh versus uh, Angela Hill fight this past December because that was given the fight of the night honors for good reason. Lamosh is a bulldozer. In her UFC fights before that, she was knocking girls out inside of two minutes. She's got a vicious one-punch KO power, which is very rare. She's like a unicorn in this division. So uh, when she fought uh, Angela Hill, Angela Hill is super tough. She front-kicked Angela Hill like twice in that fight, and Angela Hill would not go away. And Lamush herself, not only did she get tired, she got rocked by Hill uh, as well. So this that was a super fun fight. And you're telling me now she's fighting Jessica Andrade, who she herself, she had a war with uh, Angela Hill. She's been around the block. I would say she's one of the, one of the best uh, female fighters of all time. She's, she's got wins in all three divisions. She knocked out uh, Cynthia Calvillo in her last fight. Before that, she beat, uh, she lost to Shevchenko, no shame. And then before that, she beat Kaylin Shukagan, who almost nobody beats Kaylin Shukagan in that flyweight and she, division. And she finished her too with a body shot. Yeah. And she's the number one contender at flyweight still. She's still the number one uh, contender. But uh, since she already lost to Shevchenko, she's, she's got no choice but to go back to strawweight, where uh, the number 10, uh, Lamosh, is there waiting for her. I think this is a fun fight. This is a great main event. I don't care what anybody says. I think this is going to be a war. And at the end of the day, Jessica Andrade is the way better grappler. Way better grappler. Uh, but it's all about how much will she use it. Lamosh will hurt Andrade in this fight. There's no doubt. Lamosh is super scary at this weight class. But Andrade is almost impossible to finish, man. She she went five rounds with Yuana Yan Chechek. Uh, she's she's fought a lot of great strikers, just been unable to uh, to lose. And let's not forget some of those losses uh, or those finishes. They were at one thirty five. It's crazy. She was fighting at one thirty five, and she was beating like women in the top ten right now. She has a win over Pennington. I think uh, Andrade is, is a is a a freaking nature. Quite honestly, she's got so much physical power. She. She's the former strawweight champion, dropped to Nami Yunus on her head. In the rematch, she did really well for herself. I think Andrade has five-round cardio, better grappling. I think she tires out Lamosh with grappling. I'll say come the fourth round, Lamosh will be gassed and hurt bad. I think Andrade gets herself a fourth-round TKO. I, th- I say standing TKO for Andrade. I think this is a fantastic fight, and I, I do agree with you. The uh, you know people overlooking this main event. Um, I feel like when the fans hear you know a, a women's main event, they they immediately write off. They immediately say this is not a good fight. I'm going to miss this one or yeah. or etc. I think this is a fantastic fight. I love it. I, I think there's two women that are going to stand in the center, and I think they're going to trade. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Jessica George loves to have a firefight. She loves to get involved in, you know, in these sort of fights. And I feel like eventually she will shoot for a takedown. She, she can mix up really well. Um, as you were talking about, she's a pioneer in this game. In women's mixed martial arts, she's 4 at 155, 4 at 115, 4 at 125. I mean, she made the massive drop to 135 to 115 because there was no 125 pound division. Uh, but yeah, she's a pioneer. She's done it all clear uh, in, in her career. Um, three wins in different weight classes. It's incredible. Uh, and again, so I feel like the drop down to straw weight. I mean, again, and then she gets fed Amanda Lemos. I really like a like. I really like Amanda Lemos in this fight. I believe she has all the tools to get it done. Uh, you were talking about Jessica George being the better grappler. I do agree. 
um, I just see Amanda Lenos being able to keep the fight to the ground uh, on the strike on the striking realm, and I see this being a coming out party of uh, for Lemos. Uh, we saw it happen with uh, Zhang Wei Li, uh, where she knocked out Jessica George, and I, f I believe this we're going to see maybe the source thing happen there, and I think we're going to see Amanda Lemos uh, oh, not 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 stop. But I believe if we, we might see a judge's scorecard win with Amanda Lemos. But as you talked about, yeah. the slowing down, we haven't seen Amanda Lemos five rounds. That's the only one, that's the only thing that concerns me. Yeah, I also think uh, Andrade can get herself a submission here. It's all about how she wants to win this fight. I, But I really am banking on Lemos getting tied here because in that Angela Hill fight, she looked pretty much done. She That, that third round could have went to anybody. Let's not forget that. There was a real discussion about who actually won the Hill versus Lemos fight. Very close fight. Yeah, I uh, like Lemos in this fight. I, I, think, I think she's going to clip uh, Andrade. And um, I feel like Andrade is going to be timid and, uh, you know, scared of the power. But Andrade has power herself. So it's crazy. It, it, this yeah, fight I, could really go anyway. I think this fight is madness. It could get uh, a fight of the night bonus. But uh, 100%. there's a much better fight, I would say, uh, opening up this card. Uh, but do not oh, doubt oh, this yeah. hang into this. I think we see a finish. There's two fights that are much better that opening's got. Yeah. Co-main event is the return of Clay the Carpenter Greed, the UFC Hall of Famer. He's taken on Claudio Plus, who's in really good form right now. In his last fight, he submitted uh, Chris Grutzmacher with a knee bar. And in that fight, he clearly won that first round. He was a much better striker. But that second, that second round, he got stuck on bottom. For a, a, a considerable amount of time against Chris Grootsmacher, who I want to say he's a great wrestler. Clay Guida is a great wrestler. Clay Guida, his style has not changed in a very long time. He's a he's a serviceable striker. He can hurt you on the feet, but it's it's always going to be his wrestling that gets the job done with Clay. Clay has an unbelievable gas tank. The guy can run laps after fighting a hard fifteen, uh, and He's just relentless pressure, relentless grappling. Uh, the, the Michael Johnson fight was a classic, uh, you know, example of a great Clay Guida performance. In his last fight, he submitted an ADCC champion uh, in Leonardo Santos. Clay's tough as nails. He got hit with a teeth kick, and the fight was pretty much over, but Santos gassed out, and Clay Guida took that back and submitted him. That was a crazy comeback by Clay. Um before that, he lost to Mark Madsen, which the takedown threat was there the whole fight, so not much of a shame in that one. Uh, but uh, before that, as I said, he beat uh, Michael Johnson. Clay Guida, he's, he's in really good form. I really like what he's been doing. Um, he's not, even though he's really long in the tooth, he's not one of those guys you look at him like, oh, I don't want to see that guy get you know beat up or just... It's not one of those guys that makes you sad to see him fight, you know, like Diego Sanchez. He's still he's still in good form. Puelles is a is a young lion. He's got really good submissions, good kickboxing. Um he fights out of Stanford MMA. I think he's gonna throw one too many kicks, get stuck on bottom. Clay Guida will bank two rounds with control time in this fight. I think Clay's the rightful favorite here. Uh sure, Puelles could catch him in a geese and something along those lines. But uh Clay Guida I, I just we know what we're getting with Clay, and I, I think I I like I like his method of victory in this fight, uh, just to be by getting that control time with those takedowns, and it's not like it's a wash on the feet with uh, with Puelles versus Guida. I, I really like Clay Guida in this fight by decision. 
Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, I like Quay Guido. Uh, as you know, what we know what you're getting with Guido. That's um, uh, that is volume on the feet and mixing it up with the wrestling. Uh, this guy, as he, as you were talking about, his age, he's getting older, but it just seems like he's just not slowing down. It, yeah. It's ridiculous. I, whatever he's he's eating or taking, I, I think I need it delivered to the UK because it's it's incredible. It's yeah. phenomenal. But yeah, I, I like Clay Guido in this fight. I like it anyway. Um, striking um, concerns me a little bit. But I believe Clay Greeder was getting this one to the ground and uh, he's going to control him. Uh, that's the only way I see this fight going. I think Clay Greeder is going to control him on the ground, advance to positions. Um, do I see a finish happening by ground and pound? Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. Uh, maybe a submission uh, is in there for Clay Greeder. Uh, but I definitely know Clay Greeder is going to get it done, um, whatever by method of victory. Um, I'm very confident on this one somehow. Yeah, we'll move on to the next fight. It's not... Poser versus Romanov. Poser had a pullout, unfortunately. I think uh, my my quick prediction would have been though Romanov would have. Uh, I feel like he would have. Uh, that would have been a demolition job. Uh, I think he would have banked two rounds, but that third round would have been really tough. Honestly, uh, we'll That's move cool. on to Macy Barber versus Montana De La Rosa. I really like this fight. I've been waiting to see uh, both of these women get back in the octagon. They both had a lot of canceled bouts, and uh, eventually they got matched up against each other. Macy Barber, um, the story of her UFC run has been so interesting. She wanted to be the youngest champion, but let's be frank, did not have the skill set to pull it off. She lost to Roxanne Montefiore. Um, She blew her knee out in that fight, and she came back, and she looked fairly good, but it felt like uh, like that ring rust was definitely a, a factor. Um, prior to the Roxanne fight, she would steamroll her opponents, man. Finish Jalen Robertson, finish... Jay Aldridge and Hannah Cyphers. Just super aggressive. But when you fight somebody as experienced as Roxanne, just didn't work out for her. Uh, in the Alexa Grasso fight, she fought a better boxer. It was that plain and simple. And then the Miranda Maverick fight, she lost that fight. I don't care what anybody says. That was one of the most egregious decisions of 2021. Uh, just to give you uh, my reasoning, in the second round, Maverick is ahead on the striking stats. Maverick gets a takedown. That's your bank to round right. Not for those judges. So, the, in my opinion, Macy Barber is on a three-fight skid. But here's the thing. They gave her a step down in competition. Matan De La Rosa, she will have her way with fighters like uh, Ariane Lipsky, like Mara Barella, uh, fighters she has a significant grappling advantage over on the, on the feet. Uh... She's just not, she's not really threatening. There's nothing, you know, that'll overwhelm you. Uh, and I really think that's the factor in this fight. I, I think uh, that Macy Barber's uh, wrestling defense has improved. Uh, she's been at uh, Alpha Male for a while now. I think not only that, uh, she can keep it on the feet. I think she can hurt Montana De La Rosa. I really think she's got more power, the quicker hands, more confidence in the striking overall. I think we'll see uh, a decision here. And I think the control time that Del Rosa may be able to get will not matter because I think the damage will definitely be going to Macy Barber. Yeah, I've got to agree with this one. I think Macy Barber, you know, when she's throwing, uh, she throws with, uh, you know, uh, heaviness. Um, uh, she, when she lands, you can see it affect uh, her opponents. Uh, as, as All you have to do is ask um, Jillian Robertson uh, when she finished him, yep. uh, finished her. And then obviously JJ Aldridge as well. So yeah, she's a fantastic fighter. Uh, she then she fell into the hands of Roxanne Modafferi. Then um, 
uh, Alex Grasso, better fighters on the day. Um, and it was just a, a disappointment, a disappointment for her. But and then she fought um, Miranda Maverick, and we both agree that Maverick won that fight. Uh, and now I believe this is a definitely, you can see the step down in the competition is, that we're going, not, not just better Montana De La Rosa, but I believe this it, is another step down for uh, Macy Barber. Uh, and I think maybe Macy Barber is going to look good. She's going to get it done. Um, the only way I can see her losing is the, is, is the grappling, but I believe she's the better grappler. So um, this is a good fight. I think it's a good showcase fight for her. And I believe she could get it done um, pretty much how, how, how she wants. Um, I think it's going to go to the scorecard. So, um, uh, but you know, th th this could be another slip in the road for May Macy Barber. She's had a a, a weird UFC career uh, as of um, as of now. So who knows what could happen? But I like Macy Barber in this one. Yeah, one thing with Macy Barber too in her last two fights, she did win that third round, undisputedly won the third round. So hopefully Macy starts quicker because she's not started quicker in her last fight. So let's hope she does that against Montana. Moving 100%, on, I agree. we have a flyweight fight. This wow. is a really exciting fight between two. I would say there's still prospects in the UFC. Uh, Sumiderji versus Manel Kopp. I love this fight. Both guys are strikers. Uh, Sumiderji has vicious power, really good size for this division. Um, in his last fight, he fought, uh, who was it? Um, it was Malcolm X Gordon and good man. One punch and Gordon was curled up and not wanting to take any more. Um, Manal Kopp is another guy who has vicious knockout power. In his last fight, he fought Zhalgas Zhumagulov. And Zhalgas has over 20 wins, very few losses. And he goes in there, clips Zhalgas, and puts him out, man. Uh, both guys are guys in the flyweight division that have legitimate KO power. Uh, Manal Kopp, before that, knocks out Odie Osborne, flying knee. Before that, he had a rough start to the UFC run. He fought Pantoja, and he lost the fight because he just wasn't active enough. And same thing happened with Mateus Nikolaev, but I thought that was a bit of a robbery there, honestly. Um, Sumideji, on the other hand, his, his problem is the submission defense. When they matched him up with Tim Elliott, I was so ready to bet Tim Elliott by, by submission, but it didn't come to fruition, and now he's fighting, a, a, I would say, a, a fighter that does have really good wrestling, but not use it a ton. I think he will use it here against Sumideoshi, but uh, at the end of the day, I see Manal Kopp landing heavier strikes. I think he can score a knockdown here, too, but uh, I've not seen any evidence to show me that Sumideoshi, uh has a weak chin, so I, I say, I'll say i say I'll go with Manal Kopp by unanimous decision. I think he's the better striker here. I just hope he really opens up uh, like he's done in his last couple fights. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. Uh, I like Manel Cap in this one. Uh, I think Manel Cap is going to get it done. Um, it won't surprise me if Manel Cap gets um, a, a knockdown and then finishes it with a submission. To be honest, if you look at Sumideshi's record, all of his losses have been by submission. So yeah. uh, it, it, that bit worries you. And um, we know how much power Sumideshi has as well. This, this one is going to be a power. Um, whoever lands, really, is uh, whoever feels the power most. Uh, but I believe it's going to be Minel Cap. I think Minel Cap is going to be the one who's going to stand in the middle, um, landing his better shots. Um, and I like uh, Minel Cap by submission. I think he's going to knock him down and submit him by rear naked choke. And I think that's a, wow. uh, that's that's what I'm going with. And I, but this is a fantastic fight, and I think this is um, a, a good matchup for both. Uh, in the the flyweight division is crazy, man. This was this yeah. was going to get cut a few a few years ago. Uh, it was uh, on the brisk uh, on the break of you know get, getting everyone getting released, and and now look at it. 
It's, it's probably yeah. one of the best divisions that we have inside the UFC. It's crazy. Uh, I wouldn't go as far to say that, but it's super exciting <laughs> to watch. No, it, I, I, I think there is some killers in that division. I think it's uh, it, it, it's a fantastic division. I think it's definitely one up there uh, of the best. You know, we've got bantamweight, you've got lightweight, and I feel like it's definitely up there with one of them. So uh, it's a fantastic division. We've got some killers coming through as well. Yeah, really, really fun division to watch. All these guys have quick hands. And when you throw in knockout power into the mix like this one, you're going to get a fun fight. And if you want to talk about fun fights, this main card opener, get to your TV as early as possible, ladies and gentlemen, because these guys are coming in to put on a show. Both guys have been involved in uh, fights where they've walked out with bonuses because they're the most exciting fighters out there in this featherweight division. They always come looking to finish, looking to entertain, and they've got basically no quit in them. Lando Venata, his UFC run has been fascinating. Straight up fascinating. He debuted against a prime Tony Ferguson as a huge underdog on short notice. He knocks him down, and he beats the crap out of him in that first round. That was prime Tony Ferguson. And in the second round, he gets uh, gassed and gets starstruck. But no shame in that. It, that was a short notice spot there. Um, and after he gets that highlight reel wheel kick against John McDessey, he did have a three-fight run where uh, where it was a, wow, a four-fight run with no wins. But two of those were draws. And those draws were to Bobby Green and Matt Frivola. That Matt Frivola fight is one of the most underrated fights of all time. It's so fun. Uh, he's been in two draws. Want to know why? Because he beats the crap out of his opponents in that first round and gets 10 eights. But uh, he just can't quite finish him. The guy's such a lethal striker. So much power. So much heart. Um, and I, I was thinking he was not looking as good when he was looking uh, when he was uh, losing to Muncha Kesey, lost to Bobby Green. Just didn't look good in those fights. It felt like something was off. He makes the switch. He goes down a featherweight, which he was never big uh, lightweight, but he was very effective. And he looked like he was in the Matrix against Mike Grundy. When he fought Mike Grundy, I picked Mike Mike Grundy with high confidence. Mike Grundy, a very good wrestler. Uh, but I slept on Lando Banana's takedown defense. His takedown defense looked unbelievable. His get game, too. Whenever he was on my feet, he was piecing up Mike Grundy. I... Lando Van Etter could not have pressed me more that night. Uh, um, I don't think I'll bet on bet against him again for a while. And against Charles Jordan, tricky, tricky fight to pick. Because Jordan is a guy that is familiar with Dross himself too because he's historically actually a slow starter. He's gotten dropped in several fights in the first round and he's come back to win him. Against Andre Ewell, that was a performance where he did dominate, but um, if you look back at the um, at the Josh Colbert fight, he's a huge favorite. He gets dropped in that first round, and after that, my goodness, the guy was so aggressive, and he banked rounds uh, two and three decisively. Uh, Jordan is is a really good prospect out of Canada, but he has looked um, he doesn't look great in some fights, like in the Rojo fight. Big favorite again, he gets dropped. Um, and Richie gets a finish, so he's got really good cardio. Uh, the Julian Rosa fight was probably got submitted late. I, I think this fight has high potential for a finish. 
But both guys have shown they're being so durable. So I think this goes to the decision. And I think the guy winning the fight is Lando Banana. Because Lando Banana looks so good in his last fight. I think he knocks down Jordan. Might get a tanny in the first round. But that, I think the second round decides it. Third round, Jordan will get it. He might get a finish too. Jordan's got some really good uh, submission skills. He is a black belt. He's got really mean ground pound. There, there's so many ways this fight will go. But I think a draw is truly on the table. Yeah, there's so many different possibilities in this fight. Uh, Lando Venata and Charles Jordan, but uh, but one been one of the most unpredictable fighters inside the US, both inside the UFC. Uh, Lando Venata had them two draws. Uh, and as you thought about that, UFC debut against Tony Ferguson, knocking him down, hurting him really bad, beating him up, and, you know, eventually getting finished. Uh, but there's no shame in that. And, uh, and then he came back, uh, spinning wheel kick KO. Um, it, it, this guy is exciting in every fight he's in. Um, and I think this is going to be a good one. And I think they've matched him up perfectly. Get charged down uh, uh, off the back of his last performance against Andre Uwell. Uh, possibly one of his best performances uh, uh, as of date. Uh, Striking-wise, I think he looked brilliant. Um, I think this is a fantastic match that is uh, going to be contest contested on the feet. And I think Lando Vernat is going to get the better of him. I think his style and his stance, um, the way he picks his shots, is just going to be able to be able to pick Charles Jordan apart. But I, I, I like this one. This is a fantastic fight. And this yeah. is my pick for fight tonight. I think this is the only one that I... Well, you got Manel Capwest and Sumideshi, but this one, uh, I believe, is where I pick for my fight tonight. Yeah, I, I love... I really love this fight. I, I think there will be a situation in this fight, I guarantee it, where both fighters are in big trouble. But both guys have such good hearts, I think. I think we'll we'll see a decision, but... I say, I say the bet on the draw is not a bad one. It's 50 to 1 odds. Uh, we'll move on to the prelims. Uh, Lewis Kosi versus Preston Parton was canceled. Uh, Kosi did test positive uh, for COVID recently. We'll move on to Jordan Wright versus Mark Andre Barrow. Mark Andre is my boy. He follows me on Instagram. Um, I always I always cheer him on, and he's fighting Jordan Wright, a guy we've roasted. We've roasted him on the show for the competition he's fought. He's he's historically a can crusher, but say what you want about him, he does well. He does well in uh, some of these fights he loses. When he fought Bruno Silva, I thought Bruno was going to knock out early, and he did. But before that, he was beating up Bruno in the clinch. Uh, when he fought Jamie Pickett, he knocked him out uh, with that with the elbows. And then he followed up with really vicious kicks and knees. Uh, even though I roast the guy, I, I think he's super dangerous early. There's no doubt about it. Uh, when he fought uh, Ike Villanova, he did get that... Uh, that cut stoppage early in the fight. I, I really, I like his his offense, but his defense is awful. His defense is straight up awful. Chin high up in the air. Mark Andre hits really hard, um, and he's he's got really good durability historically. When he fought Chidi and Jokuani, did I expect them to get put away in seventeen seconds like that with a one-two? No, I I just feel like he might have gotten caught off guard there. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. But I'll assume he's not, uh, you know, his chain isn't a liability in this fight. I think Jordan Wright will have early success here by trying to land, landing some big shots, but it won't matter because Mark Andre, he against guys that are not durable like Oscar Pijota and Jordan Wright, I think he can sit those guys down inside of three minutes. I think uh, Mark Andre Barrel gets himself a first round knockout here, but Jordan Wright will come out very aggressive. 
Um, yeah, this, this is a good stop. fight. I really see a stoppage in this fight. I think either guy gets the knockout here. Yeah, I've got to agree. This, this is a good fight. And uh, if you look at their record, both the, both the, uh, if you look at Rice losses, um, lost to, um, in his Bruno last fight, lost against Bruno Silva. And Joaquin then before Buckley. that, he lost to Joaquin Buckley. Yeah. Uh, both been, he's been knocked out both of the, uh, in, in, in their fights. And then Mark Andre Barut, uh, in his last fight, getting starched by Chigi, uh, in, in Jaquani. So it was, uh, if you look at this one, it definitely, uh, on paper, uh, definitely a finish that possesses itself, uh, and I think whoever lands cleanly first is definitely going to get the job done. Uh, but as you talked about, Jordan Wright, we've roasted him in the past, um, but uh, to be honest, he's not as bad as we've we've made him out to be. He's a, he's a, yeah. he's a good fighter, but it's just his way to the octagon might have um, convinced us that he wasn't as good as he as we thought. But yeah, um, I, I like Jordan Wright in this fight. I think he can land early, uh, but eventually. I think he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna put Mark Andre Barrett out though. Um, yeah. I think Mark Andre Barrett is gonna be uh, in round two, round three. He's gonna bank himself some rounds, and uh, I think Jordan Wright is gonna. I'd like to see Jordan Wright go to the later stages of the fight. I don't think we've uh, we've seen that yet. Yeah. So I, yeah. I want to see how he holds up. Here's one thing with Jordan. Jordan's never won a fight uh, that lasted longer than six minutes. Mark Andre Barrett has fought a competitive fifteen many times. In fact, there was a he went to a split with Christoph. Jordan Chuck. Wright. Jordan Wright yeah. has only been into the second round once. Yeah, Jordan Wright has does not have a good gas tank historically. I think Mark Andre Belt does have a good gas tank. Fighting out of Sanford MMA, uh, he he took uh, Delce Lundia Bula's best shots. Uh, I just hope Mark Andre Belt does not uh, has recovered well from that cheaty uh, knockout. I think uh, I think he knocks out uh, right here. It's going to look similar. To the Pichota knockout here. Uh, I just really hope for his sake he gets this one because he might get cut if he loses that. Moving on to a welterweight fight between two strikers, Dwight Grant versus Sergi Kanzendoshko. I think this fight is uh, this fight is pretty solid, but both guys, uh, the optics of their fights is not great. Uh, Dwight Grant. He's got, he's got like the most awkward stance in the UFC ever. The guy looks so weird out there, but man, he's effective and he hits like a truck in this in his fight with uh Francisco Trinaldo. He knocks him down with a head kick. Sure, he lost the rest of the fight, uh, basically, but besides that, he, he can be really dangerous in some spots. He fought Dimar Daniel Rodriguez, who's who was once ranked, and he knocks him down almost, almost finishes him. Daniel Rodriguez, who a lot of people uh, think very high of. He's now on a seven-fight win streak, I think. Um, uh, Dwight Grant almost knocked him out. And he also has a win over Alan Joban, which I didn't think he won that fight, but uh, he did hurt Alan in that fight. So say what you want about Dwight's technique. He's effective. And he's fighting Sergi Kendoshko, who has a really good record, but I wouldn't say he's exactly a high-level fighter either. Um, he's fought a lot of low-level low level competition in his career. His UFC uh, debut did did not go really well. He fought, uh, who was it? It was uh, Rustam Kavilov. You know, that was a grappling disadvantage for him in that fight. Clearly lost. Um, he's got power in his hands. Uh, I would say he's got a higher output than Dwight Grant. Um, I don't think we'll see any grappling in this fight. I, I just think it's going to come down to uh, does Dwight, does Dwight Grant hurt 
Sergey in this fight, or does he not? Because uh, I think besides Dwight hurting him, I think uh, Sergey outpoints him. Yeah, um, uh, I, I like the way Gron in, in this one. As you talk about his weird, uh, unorthodox stance, um, throws his um, uh, strikes at an awkward angle, but it, yeah. it's, it's as you were talking about, it's effective, and he lands hard. He's you know he's got some heavy hands, and uh, I like I like him in this fight. Uh, if you look at Sergey's record, he's took a lot of losses uh, in his career, mostly by some mission. Um, I don't, I, he's never he's only been finished once. And that was back in 2013. Um, yeah. So it's uh, by by strikes. He's only been finished once by strikes, and that was in 2013. Um, so it shows that he, he, you know, he's definitely got a chin on him. Uh, definitely probably took some punches along the along the way. Um, but I, I'm not too sure. I think the white ground is uh is got has got it in the bag. I think he's going to hit him hard. Um, maybe not knock him out, but I believe a scorecard will. Um, uh, definitely possess his way, come his way. Uh, but like, but as you talk about, Sergi is a fantastic striker. And uh, if, if the fight does go to round two, round three, eh, I, I probably would lean towards him. Um, but I think, I think, my, I, th I think there's a chance of Groy collecting early. Um, I'm knocking him out. I think this is going to be a good, a fantastic yeah. matchup. And I think it's a good, it's a good fight on the prelims. I like it. Yeah. We'll move on to the next fight. It is the long-awaited return of the Tyson return Baker. of the Mac. Tyson Pedro has been out for a long time. In his last fight, he got knocked out by Shogun Hua. That was way back in 2018. That was that was a while ago, man. Um, Tyson Pedro, uh, he's got quality wins. He really does. And those are wins that have aged really well. Wins over Tree. Wins over uh, Paul Craig via finish. That was a crucifix. And uh, who else am I thinking of? Uh, the Safra Briggs Safra lost uh win, not exactly high level, but uh he's held his own against guys like Latifi. Um and the Marisa Sh the Shogun fight was not completely washed before that knockout. He's had a really long time to uh reflect on those losses, hopefully do some training. The reason he's been out is there was a botched surgery that uh that he thought he might have to retire from. So we don't know what he's gonna look like here. But when you're fighting Ike Villanueva, it's hard for me not to pick against Ike because Ike, he's got a very ugly record. There's no, there's no hiding that. The gas tank is pretty awful. The ground game is far from this. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot lacking on the Villanueva side, and on top of that, he's he's older. So I think this is a great fight for Pedro to come back in here and just. Steamroll Ike. I think he's awake. If Pedro is like 80% of what he was, he should knock out uh, Ike within the first two rounds. And I, I say he does it. I say we get a second round uh, TKO for Pedro. I think it's going to be by ground and pound. Yeah, I've got a groovy on this one. I, I like Tyson Pedro. Um, as you were talking about, had some fantastic wins in the past. Paul Craig, a little round tree. And uh, obviously, his last fight against uh, Mauricio Shogun uh, in 2018. It's been a long time, four years. Uh, roughly, or just uh, just under three years, uh, just under four years. I mean, um, away from the Otscon, it's been it's been it's been a while. So uh, it's been a it's, it's been a while, and he's uh, he's probably learned, improved, reflected on the losses as you were talking about. And I feel like we're going to see a really good Tyson Pedro. Um, I think it's a good matchup for him to look good against it, as you were talking about. Ike Villanueva um, uh, is uh, <laughs> not the fantastic, not the greatest fighter um, that we, that that we've seen. Um, but I, I think Tyson Petra is gonna. I, I think he might even shoot. To be honest, I think he, he might even go for yeah. a takedown as well. well. 
I, I think I like a takedown in this one for Tyson Pedro, and I like them um, them elbows in the in the side control um, and just uh, ground and pounded him. Um, but yeah, this is a good match for Tyson Pedro to get back into the win column, and I think he will. And I think he's gonna. I think this is the one that they, you know, just to get him back in there, see how he feels, and then uh, definitely we'll, we'll move on from there. I think this is gonna, a, a good matchup, a good showcase matchup for Tyson Pedro, and it's just good to see him fighting again. Yeah, it's been a way too long, honestly. He was one the bright prospect. Uh, he's got a Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. I think he can get a submission or a TKO here because Villanueva on the ground just has nothing to offer, quite honestly. So we'll move on to the next fight. I'll read the return of our Richie Lane versus Cameron versus the return of Cameron Else. Cameron Else has been out a long time, man. I remember he was uh, part of one of the early Fight Island events. And he fought Kyler Phillips in that fight. Uh, Kyler Phillips, definitely the much better grappler. Got a second round TKO. Arichi Lang will not <laughs> give Else that luck. In fact, Else has the better grappling. He submitted Paddy Pimlet back in the day. Else has <laughs> only gotten um, has only gotten wins in the first round, basically his whole career. Um, and I think he's most dangerous when grappling. Uh, and Arichi Lang, I think, is the better striker here. Uh, his takedown defense did not look good against Cody Durden in his last fight, um, but he did bank that third round because Durden was tired. So I think I think we're gonna see uh, Else come out like a bat out of hell. I think he's gonna be super aggressive, take take uh, Arichi Lang's back, and I think Arichi Lang will be able to stick in there. And I think Else will be a bit a bit uh, slower in the second round. Uh, Else did. Fight like a different style against Kyler. He was not aggressive as he once was. Um, so maybe he's just trying to pace himself better. So I think Else might pace himself better, but in the end, I think I think Arichi Lang finds himself getting a third round uh, knockout. Uh, Arichi Lang's UFC debut was against uh, Jeff Molina, really good prospect, and he banked the first round, but the last two rounds did not go well for him, and he almost. Knocked out Jeff Molina at the very end of that fight. I don't know if you remember that. Molina broke the striking record at uh, flyweight in that fight, but Arichi Lang still had it in him to land that final bomb. Um, so I think he can knock out Cameron Else here uh, when Else is a little tired. Yeah, if, as you were talking about uh, Cameron Nelson's record, uh, most of his uh, fights have ended in the first round. Um, a few have gone to the second round, in which I, I believe, if I'm correct, both of them he's lost. So yeah. I, I'm not too sure on uh, on Cameron Nelson. I do like him. He's been on the show. Uh, yep. We've had a fantastic um, talk. We talked about how when he was in the Paratroopers, yep. um, his experience, his um, his road to... Uh, the UFC and it was uh, it was interesting to talk about and he's beat Paddy Pimlet he's beat Dylan Tuck he's beat some fantastic prospects that have came out of uh, uh, England and Ireland and uh, his um, his his time has definitely came to be inside the UFC um, but I just I'm not too sure on him I, I haven't seen enough of him for me to be confident to pick him um, but against um, Kyler Phillips they, they they handed him. You know, one of the worst matchups yeah. <laughs> that you could have in the in, in your debut in the Bantamweight Bant debut against a fantastic prospect in Kyler Phillips, um, top fifteen, top ten material definitely. And then Cameron Elsie is now fighting. Um, I, I, I'm not too sure how to say his name. To be honest, Arichi Lang. Arichi Lang. Lang. Richie Arichi Lang. There you go. That would do. Arichi. I just call him Richie. Uh, against Arichi. Um, as you were talking about uh, in. 
definitely a good grappler. And uh, no, definitely a good striker, but definitely the uh, the striking, no, the grappling was Cameron Elsie. But if you if you look on his um his record, um he, he submitted as you talked about Paddy Paddy Pimlet. Uh, but not most of them haven't really been submission. It's all been TKOs, uh, KOs. Um, yeah. he, he possesses heavy hands. Um, Cameron Elsie, he can knock you out at any given chance. Um, and he's wild. He's wild with it. And that's what that's what worries me because he might get wild, throw his strikes, and, and eventually he will get tired. And we saw that in the in the Carla Phillips fight. Um, I, I'm just not sure on him. Um, I think the smart bet, the smart choice is uh, Arici. I think that's uh, the, the wise decision. Uh, but yeah. don't get me wrong. I would love, love to see Cameron Elsie get it done. Yeah, me, me as well. Uh, he's got one of the most successful episodes of this podcast uh, interview episode with him. Uh, call out Thomas Almeida way back in the day. Um, but yeah, Arichi Lang is, I think he has to win this one because he's on a two fight skin in the UFC. If he loses this one, he will get cut. Uh, so they give him a guy like Elsie, hoping he gets a win here. He's now up at Bantamweight, so I think his cardio will be even better, honestly. So I think he takes advantage of Elsie, gets a third round uh TKO. We'll move on to Marcin Prakniao versus Philippe Linz. This is Linz's uh, return to light heavyweight. He won the PFL tournament at heavyweight. He looked really good in that tournament. But once he made his way to the UFC, the guy did not look good at all. He fought Andre Arlovsky, and he was unable, you know. Andre Arlovsky, one thing the UFC's done a good job of, good job of recently is making him avoid uh, guys with heavy hands because uh, – Arlovsky is a really good point fighter, and the same thing for Linz. Linz does not have heavy hands, but he's got speed. And now he's not having that speed advantage now that he's going down to light heavyweight. So I think he's finding a guy in uh, Prakniel who is of a similar size, but I think Linz might have a bit of a size advantage. But when it comes to speed, Prakniel now has the speed advantage here. And Prakniel was not terrible at all. In his UFC run early, but when he fought Khalil Roundtree, the guy showed up with a chin that day. I'll just say that he got rocked early. After that, he he was able to rock Khalil. Now that Khalil was super tired, uh, both guys don't have the best gas tanks, especially Lin's cutting weight now. So I think uh, this is a, a very close fight. I think both guys will look to to point fight, and I'll side with Pat now because he's got a way higher output. Really good leg kicks, really good body kicks, as he showed against Ike Villanueva. Uh, I, I like I like uh, Prakniel's uh, game here. Uh, I really like his kicking game. Uh, Linz is more of a boxer. Um, the, I don't think we see any grappling here. I think uh, Prakniel wins a very close uh, decision. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. If you look at Martin Prakniel, when he made his UFC debut, he got knocked out by um, uh, Sam Alvey. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm not too sure what's changed since then to now is uh, a massive difference uh, getting a win over Kilo Roundtree uh, and then obviously in his last fight against Ike, Ike Vinueva. Uh, so, and as you were talking about, I like Martin Pracknell in this fight too. I think his boxing's good. His boxing's slick. Um, he's, he's very accurate with his punches and Felipe Linz. Uh, I don't think he's going to... He's, he's, I think, obviously, Martin Pracknell's got a better volume in this one. I think that's what's going to win him is the volume. If you look at that the land, land strikes per minute, it's almost four more than... Um, Felipe Linz. And uh, I think that's just going to be the story of the fight. I think Marcy Pratt is just going to land um, at, at, at will and just be the, the you know, the more uh, active fighter. And I think that's what is going to win him in the fight is the uh, activeness and uh, the volume of his punches. And I think the accuracy as well is uh, it's going to show at the end of uh, 
at the end of the fight when Felipe Lins, his, his nose is busted up and a few cuts on his face. I feel like uh, Marcin Pratt now, this is a good fight for him. Uh, and I feel like he's going to get another win and that's going to be free back-to-back now. Yeah, which is wild because I thought that would guy was on his way out uh, heading into the Khalil Brown fight, But he's shown, uh, you know, some kind of durability and Lins did not have the heavy sand, so I think he gets the win there. Let's, oh, let's move to the opener. This is a fascinating fight in several ways. We have Dean Barry coming out of Ireland versus Mike Jackson. This is a <laughs> crazy fight, man. This is a crazy fight. Dean Barry is a really good prospect with insane power. He's got a lot of knockouts inside of 30 seconds. He's got a kickboxing background. The striking on Dean Barry is pretty darn solid. But I wouldn't say he's proven. Hasn't fought super challenging uh, competition. In fact, his one loss is a loss that uh, looks really awful on paper. I'll just say that. Uh, the loss is to, um, who was it? Anthony Prettyboy Taylor. Anthony Prettyboy Taylor, who trains with Jake Paul and AJ McKee. Um, he's got really short arms. The fact that he moved over to boxing lets you know how limited his ground game is. And he submitted Dean Barry. Dean Barry, um, I I don't know if he's UFC ready yet. He's got a he's got a four and run record, and his only loss is to Anthony Taylor, who was two and five. That was in twenty eighteen. Um, there's been um, you know what's re- weird with this fight? This fight was actually rebooked was uh, rebooked twice now. It was booked in uh in like late twenty twenty. And after uh, I forgot who pulled out in that fight. Who was it that pulled out? Uh, I think Mike, it was Jackson. Yeah, yeah, Jackson pulled out of the fight, and they just took away his contract. And then he had to fight in Titan FC. So uh, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, nonetheless, Mike Jackson on the other end, he was the guy they brought in to fight CM Punk. That shows you the level of fighter this guy is. The guy's a photographer. The, the guy has no, he's got no real background in anything. Uh, he just trained MMA, and I guess he was in good graces with the UFC. He had good management. Found himself in a fight with uh with uh, Mickey Gall, which he got steamrolled in that fight, obviously, because Mickey Gall's a real fighter. I don't, I don't think this guy's a real fighter, honestly. Um, and then he fought CM Punk, and you see the guy's record. He's zero and one. But uh, he's actually one and one. That CM Punk was over, the win was overturned because of marijuana, which is ridiculous. <laughs> he obviously won that fight, and that did not enhance his performance. And in that fight, it was all about the wrestling for uh, Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson got on top of CM Punk, landed a lot of ground pounds. CM Punk had no get up game. One CM Punk, the worst, maybe the worst UFC fighter of all time. Obviously, was really you know just old. Had really nothing going for him in terms of offensive skill set. And Mike Jackson was unable to finish him. So there's no reason anybody should be picking Mike Jackson. I think I think we went way too long with this uh, preview. Dean Barry should steamroll this guy. Dean Barry, way better striker. I think he knocks out Mike Jackson here. Uh, I'll, I'll say first round. Dean Barry has that karate stance. Really good counter puncher. He's going to knock out Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson's going to throw something silly. 
let's not forget Mike Jackson's also really long layoff. So he's not going to look good early. I think Barry knocks him out. And it's, it's that simple, really. Yeah, I don't even know what to expect from Mike Jackson, if I'm honest. I, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what I'm going to see. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how good he is because we, we saw him get something against Mike, Mickey Gow. And obviously that Mickey Gow is, you know, he's, he's a good grappler. Uh, but then we saw him against CM Punk, but we can't really evaluate him because CM Punk is just, as we talked about, probably one of the worst UFC fighters that we've had. And then obviously it made Mike Jackson look sort of good-ish, but it was against CM Punk. So we can't really, you know, credit that win and we can't really evaluate his skills. And, and as you talked about, he didn't finish CM Punk when the finish was there open time and time yeah. again. And um, CM Punk, if I believe, actually got a takedown against yeah. Mike Jackson. So it just shows, you know, the level that we're at with Mike Jackson. And the, as you've talked about, this guy's a photographer. He he, he goes around regional MMA events yep. and gets photos. So uh, I'm not too sure what his website is. Go check it out. He takes some, he takes some good photos, but unfortunately he's not going to be able to take some good photos of him losing to Dean Barry. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think a, a good connection to that. I think he'll be caught taking photos in this fight. I think he'll be <laughs> staring at uh, Dean Barry, hoping for Dean Barry to throw something, and I think he'll be the one throwing, get countered. And uh, Barry has vicious KO power. I yeah, think, uh, this guy, this guy can strike. This guy can kick, man. This guy is yeah. lethal. This guy is unbelievable. His counters, his kicks, his stance is incredible. Um, the karate stance, and um, I always like the karate stance. I don't know why. Um, I think it's good for takedown defense. Um, because you know the second leg is always so far back between the bouncing. It just seems like they're ready for anything. Um, it, it worked with Wonder Boy. Um, in the past anyway, when it was a. Yeah. Uh, uh, he was really good takedown defensive wise. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure what happened on late with uh, Wonder Boy, but um, the only problem here with the karate stance, if you get caught against the cage, that's when it becomes a problem of getting taken down, and yeah. uh, that's what Dean Barry's got to avoid: of uh, getting his back behind the cage, staying in the middle, um, control that center against a six foot two frame of Mike Jackson. It might be hard, but I believe he's got the skills to do so, and I think he's going to make it look um, look, look 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 fairly easy, and I think he's going to get a stoppage win. Uh, inside yeah. uh, inside the first round. So uh, I'm excited to see how this fight goes. I think this is the most intriguing fight, one of the most intriguing fights that we have on the cards, and it's the first fight of the evening. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a good card all around. I see some people criticizing the card as a whole. I'm agree with it. I think we're going to have a lot of memorable moments, a lot of memorable finishes um, in uh, fights. Yeah, I, I say this fight is definitely worth, uh, worth your time. Um, and that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, longer episode, but... <laughs> There's just so much going on. Uh, but I do want to quickly get your quick pick on the fight that's in the works, apparently. Stipe Miocic, the former heavyweight champion, taking on John Jones, probably the greatest fighter of all time, former light heavyweight champion. What's your pick for that fight? Because uh, Stipe Miocic is a 2-1 to one underdog. Uh, I think yeah, this is a close matchup. I like it. I really like this matchup. And if, if it actually happens, it actually goes down. When I see it announced by the UFC, um, is is a day I'll most most likely cry because John yeah. Jones coming back is um it's a big deal, it's a big statement. And um against Stephen Miosic, you know, one of the greatest heavyweights, if not no greatest heavyweight, um, that we've seen inside the octagon. And uh it, this is a fantastic fight. John Jones can box, um Stipe Miosic can box, um John Jones can grapple. Um, it, 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 his grappling is so good. Um, 
And I think that's where he's going to really test Miosic is the grappling. Um, I think I think it's going to be quite similar to Alexander Gustafsson fight, uh, where he's going to take him down, and we're going to see a little bit of a ground and pound finish. But um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure. I, I like I like John Jones in this fight, but I think you know I think it might be. I'm not sure. This this, this could go so many ways. Sleepy Miosic could knock him out, but I mean, if you look at John Jones as of late in the striking, it's not been looking good for him, to be honest. It's it's been it's my most anticipated fighting UFC history. N- never have I ever wanted to see two guys fight each other more. They're two. They're probably the two best ever in their respective divisions. And John is finally moving up. I think John will walk out with the heavyweight championship, and I think he will not do it by kickboxing like he's done his last couple of fights. Which those fights are super close, and he's getting tagged. I think John will listen to the advice of the great Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo, every guy that guy has coached, Davidson Figueroa, uh, Sean Willie, what do they do? They get takedowns. They get top control. John Jones is an elite grappler, taking down DC, submitted Vitor Belfort, uh, submitted Leonardo Machida, one of the best grapplers ever. Has he been using it a lot in his last couple of fights? No. That's why I think he's been getting in trouble. So if he offensively grapples, I think he I think he can get a submission on Stipe. I think he can get a submission on Stipe. I'll say fourth round. Uh, that's my pick for now. But that wraps it up for this episode. I needed to get talking about that fight because I cannot wait for it. Yeah, I mean, we could go on as well. With uh, Obviously, we've got Fury versus White, but we'll be here all day. So, yeah. I mean, we'll we, we talk about uh, that next week, the recap and everything like that. We've got such a fantastic episode next yeah. week as well. We get to talk about yeah. everything that happened. And then also, oh, um, oh, that's such a fantastic fight. Wow. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, we get to talk about that all next week. We've been here for far too long, Oscar. Two hours, it just clocked over. So yeah, yeah. we'll let you all go. It's been a fantastic episode. Make sure you tune in next week, same time, uh, Tuesday, 6 p.m. Uh, British Standard Summertime, British Summertime. And I'm not too sure what that is in uh, Central Time. So I'm sorry. All right, yeah, it's noon uh, Central Time. There we go. It's going to be a fun episode this week. This episode was really long, but there was a lot of intriguing fights to get to. So that about wraps it up for the episode. Make sure to enjoy the fights this weekend. 100%. uh, Have a good weekend. Everyone uh, enjoy the fights. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on Tuesday where we get to talk about